All right. Union of the Unwanted back December 13th, 2021. Ricky, take it away. What's up, everybody? I think this is going to be the last Union of the Unwanted of the year. So I'm super excited to just have an awesome show and, and gather so many past guests and, and new guests and, and just have a great conversation going. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of talk about, well, first of all, the business, right? Unionofunwanted.com is where you can find links to all the social media platforms we're on, the merch, all that stuff and connect with us. So please check out the unionofunwanted.com. But uh, we want to talk about a little bit about this year, but also predicting the future, right? Kind of a, are we optimistic? Is it going to be a dark future? It, but a friend of mine showed up. I didn't know if he was going to make it or not, but the man of the hour, probably the most popular doctor in the world right now, Dr. Peter cool. Mugula, uh joined us. And uh, I think uh, I know his time is limited. And I also like to uh, usually go to somebody who hasn't been on the show before. So who better than to go to Dr. Peter McCullough? I'm sure you're already getting tons of feedback about your appearance on JRE, Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, so why not go to you and and maybe get some of your predictions on how you think all the work you're doing and every you know all the energy and efforts that you put in to fighting back against What's going on? Uh, if you're optimistic, or or do you think we have a long battle ahead of us? Well, Ricky, thanks for having me back on the show. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm an academic physician in Dallas, Texas, and I have just a few minutes today. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to get off the call. It looks like a terrific show that you have tonight. But last week, I went to the man cave of podcaster Joe Rogan, and I have to tell you, when I finished, he looked like a prize fighter. Now he looked like he had a he had fifteen rounds with uh, somebody he didn't expect. He, Joe Rogan was pretty shell shocked with what he heard about COVID nineteen. I think he's spent too much time in his cave. Um, uh, really, Joe was just blown away. Uh, he had no idea of uh, what we were seeing with respect to uh, you know the failure of the vaccines, uh, of problems with vaccine safety, loss of efficacy. Uh, you know, we went through you know COVID nineteen from soup to nuts. And uh, I think he learned a lot. And as he immediately invited me back on uh, to learn more. And it's what's happened is, you know, the whole media outside of, you know, programs like yours and others, uh, you know, the Trusted News Initiative has basically blocked the truth on COVID-19, uh, you know, through from the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, because the major media aligned with the social media, they agreed to block any information on early treatment block anything on vaccine safety and only promote the vaccines as the only choice. And everybody knows something is wrong because we still haven't gotten a public safety report on the vaccines. We haven't even been told which vaccine is the best vaccine, that which vaccine works better than others. I mean, people people know something is really off when, when they, they know they're not getting basic information. <laughs> so they're seeking it through uh, basically podcasting and media like this. So I want to boil it down to five points that I've recently presented at uh, Reawaken America, uh, as well as uh, other programs. And there are these five points. This is what I've learned as a doctor. I have over 650 publications in the peer-reviewed literature, now 52 on COVID-19. I'm a very frequent commentator for Fox News, Newsmax, Real America. I've testified in the U.S. Senate, multiple state senates. This is what I've learned. I give you five points uh, that you can take forward on COVID-19. The first point is the infection is only spread when people have symptoms, period. 
So there's no asymptomatic spread. We have enough data and studies that have basically proven that. That means we never need to lock down schools. We don't need to lock down anybody. And it's only those who are sick that need to stay at home during the treatment period at home. This is so fundamental. You know, our schools are open in the United States. There's no school outbreaks. Our football stadiums are open, wide open. They could have been open last year. We have more COVID now than we had last year. And in fact, our football stadiums are wide open and we're not seeing major outbreaks, okay? Because people know if they're sick, don't go out and go to congregate settings. The second point is no asymptomatic testing, none. That means no testing on the border of Canada to the United States, no testing before you get on airplanes, no testing in the workplace, no routine testing for athletes. Why? Because it's not spreading symptomatically. So we don't need to test people without symptoms. The tests are only approved by regulatory agencies for symptoms. Even the World Health Organization and CDC, they don't support asymptomatic testing. So we need to drop all that testing. People need to walk past the testing tables and say, listen, they're not approved by anybody and they're not recommended by anybody. They're an overreach, let's drop them. Point number three, once we get through the illness, the immunity is robust, complete, and durable. You can't get COVID-19 a second time. You can, you can test positive a million times because the tests uh, can be falsely positive long after the illness. Uh, but once one's through the true illness, they can't get it a second time. If it was possible, we would have seen hundreds of millions of cases in the elderly. And in fact, we're not seeing that at all. It's one and done. And now even the US CDC admits it. They've never had a bona fide second case of COVID-19 in the same person. So we need to give up this idea that once you've had it, that means no masks. That means no worries. You can take care of your family members who have COVID-19, never need a vaccine, never need to go through treatment or anything else. You're done. Basically, it's one and done. Point number four, the, the infection is imminently treatable. We have treatments. Now, even our National Institutes of Health says that patients get early treatment with monoclonal antibodies. We've seen former President Trump We've seen Governor Abbott in Texas, who where the vaccines failed, he got monoclonal antibodies. Podcaster Joe Rogan, I went through it. Joe Rogan got the McCullough protocol just as I drew it up for the nation and the world. Joe Rogan got basically the finest approach. He was over it in three days. Uh, you know, quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who's uh, uh, been with everybody in that club. We don't. How many more examples do we need to see of people having a response with monoclonal antibodies? So we lead off with monoclonal antibodies. We have a whole array of nutraceuticals and supplements uh, and over-the-counter drugs that everybody can have in a basically a, a COVID-19 emergency kit at home. And then we use selected prescription drugs at home to get people through the illness. Uh, the only people being hospitalized are those who get no treatment at home. And it's a real travesty. We're two years into it and people are still waiting at home to be hospitalized. That should never happen. And then the point number five, the vaccines uh, that we have now, Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, &J, and AstraZeneca are not sufficiently safe, nor are they sufficiently effective uh, to feature in a pandemic response program. You're probably aware in the United States that the uh, Biden mandates with CMS have been struck down all over the country. Uh, uh, Texas, uh, our Texas governor and others came in with executive orders banning vaccine mandates. They're gone. Uh, the Texas Work Commission has a letter now. Everybody, if they're going to require vaccination in the workplace, they must admit patients to have um, exemptions from it. 
So this is good news. Um, I personally think the vaccine should be paused. They should be paused and have a thorough safety review. We still haven't had a safety report. And the numbers of deaths were up to 19,000 deaths after vaccination in our CDC VAERS system. Half are domestic, half are ex-US. We have over a quarter million uh, emergency visits uh, for this, uh, for injuries. And we have about 31,000 who are permanently disabled now from the vaccines. That, 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 that toll is too high. And that's the reason why people are protesting all over the world. If the vaccines were safe and they worked, there wouldn't be any protest. People just take the vaccine and move on. And that's the reason why there's so much problems in the world because the vaccines aren't sufficiently safe or effective. So those major points are what I've boiled down for COVID-19. What I see for the future is I think we're going to have a few more waves. Uh, the Omicron variant looks less transmissible in a milder form because it's so mutated now that um, while we're seeing cases, our CDC tells us that it's almost exclusively mild and 79% of those with Omicron are fully vaccinated. So yet another piece of evidence, the vaccines are just not going to cover it. There's really no re reason to feature them. So that's my update. So are you, obviously you going on a Jerogan podcast is huge for people just opening their eyes to how long they've been misled. Are, do you think that we're trending in the right direction? Well, we are. We're breaking. No, Joe, he has, uh, I think, 69 um, million uh, subscribers on a podcast. That's, uh, you know, that's pretty strong. I know I've been on Daystar. Daystar, I've been on twice. Each view has had 600 million and then they run reruns. So it's about 1.7 billion have seen Daystar. So Daystar is kind of the biggest. Sadly, Marcus Lamb, who led Daystar, has actually died of COVID-19 uh, to really, in a sense, put a cornerstone on how important this public health problem is. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the audiences are opening their eyes. Uh, people know that, uh, you know, they know these five points and, and you know they know because uh, they're, you know, they're, they're jamming packed in football stadiums. They know everything's okay. Uh, they're getting early treatment and they're absolutely uh, pushing back on the vaccines and they're showing a lot of backbone in the United States. They're not taking the vaccines. Um, you know, we have about 200 million Americans out of 330 million that actually did take one of the doses of the vaccines, but uh, the centers are empty for boosters. Nobody wants boosters and they, they've just had enough, basically. They know they're not sufficiently safe and they don't work well enough uh, to have people's employment tied to it or have other social freedoms withdrawn. Yeah, uh, uh, Joel, I know you, you've been also yeah. as deep into this uh, as any of us. Do you have any questions for Dr. McCullough before he leaves there? No, I, I listen. I agree with everything Peter says. And I would just bring up the number that people ought to be looking at, of course, is the official eight. We're approaching 800,000 COVID related deaths, according to CDC. That's an astronomical number. I keep pointing out to people, you know, when you looked at 9-11 or Pearl Harbor attacks, we were talking about 3,000 dead in each of those events. Now we're talking about so many thousands of deaths due to COVID and the improper management of the pandemic. So this is a disaster made by government. I want to emphasize it is the government that has screwed up everything. They have not listened to the medical experts like PETA. And 
there's a lot of positive news. I keep writing articles these days trying to communicate a positive story. For example, vitamin D. We have enormous amounts of research showing the latest German research I was so impressed with that actually determine what level, blood level of vitamin D you need to be really protected against COVID. So we know what that number is, yet if you go to an ordinary doctor, you it's hard to get your blood tested for vitamin D and CDC, FDA, all of the agencies, they should have been promoting vitamin D and blood testing for vitamin D for the last two years. They haven't done that. So. There's a lot of serious problems, home testing kits. I, I agree about, you know, the, the normal testing is awful. Uh, tons of false positives with PCR. CDC should have mandated no more than 25 cycles. If they would have done that long ago, we would have reduced the false positives from the PCR testing. But I think rapid antigen testing at home is an important option for people to have so that they can have security at home. If they get a positive antigen test, then they ought to go see their doctor, get some medical advice and, and help. But I think in Europe, uh, the UK, they give out many free kits or some countries very low cost home testing kits. Th this is just another example of what our government has not done that they should have done and could have done, and it would have been greatly helpful to people. That's well said. And, um, you know, I use that vitamin D meta-analysis every day in my practice. If we have over 50 units uh, on the vitamin D blood test, there's almost right. zero risk of COVID-19 and zero mortality. You know, I do the same thing. When I go on Fox News, I, I really try to get in my mind a positive message for America. You know, one of the most positive signs now is how much what people can do at home with no doctor. So right. we now have nine clinical studies, nine, including a very large convincing randomized trial of using oral and nasal virucidal therapy washes to basically kill the virus in the nose and mouth as it's replicating, particularly the Delta variant. And it was led out of Bangladesh, but in a randomized trial, by Chowdhury and colleagues, 606 individuals randomized to 303 in each group uh, using dilute povidone iodine or betadine uh, diluted with uh, water that actually squirting it up the nose and sniffing it back, spitting it out and gargling that markedly dropped the viral load in the nose and mouth in patients early in COVID-19 and had a dramatic impact in preventing hospitalization and death. In fact, it actually, if you do that on a daily basis after returning home from going outside, that has a bigger impact than vaccination in, in preventing COVID-19. Bangladesh uses this widely. Go check them out on Worldometer. They got 160 million people living in crowded conditions. They have virtually zero COVID. It's astonishing what they've accomplished. One of the things we have not seen in pandemic response has been international collaboration. Our groups in the United States have not held any international conferences. Mm -hmm. We haven't had any Bethesda meetings to call academics into Washington for us to review our data on advances. I agree with Dr. Hirschhorn. Uh, it is really our pandemic response uh, you know, at, the, at this head in Washington, the NIH, CDC, NIH, and White House Task Force has been abysmal. And Scott um, Atlas's most recent book really highlights this. I had dinner with Scott a few weeks ago we went over everything. He said he was the only one showing up to meetings, analyzing the data like I do and like Dr. Hirschhorn and other uh, media consultants. 
that he analyzed data every day, but the other individuals you're familiar with seeing on TV had analyzed nothing. They right. only had pre-decided their talking points. And so with no international collaboration, no teams of doctors working the major pillars of pandemic response, we have fallen into what he thinks is a crisis of incompetence. Yes, absolutely. I've heard you talk about that, but it also seems like you, you're also entertaining the idea that there's much more going on, obviously, because I think for a while it's like, okay, maybe they just didn't know about this. Maybe they just didn't know about that. Maybe it was misunderstanding. Maybe, But it's like now there's so many dots, you can't help but connect them and realize there's something more going on. And I think that's why what you're doing is so important because to you know to, to be brave enough to put to go on the front lines knowing that anybody who speaks out against it and p- other people have seen this i mean people like jimmy Dore, joe rogan anybody who speaks out and says anything somewhat negative about the vaccine immediately get pigeonholed as an anti-vaxxer regardless of the information or whatever that they're presenting um for you to go out on a limb and, and to do this is just incredible. And there's no better person uh, than you to do it because you're so well-spoken. Uh, you, everything that you state is backed by facts. And um, But I do think there's a real battle going on. And I mean, it, I, do you think that this is something that we, we can win? I mean, because it just seems like even with the information being uh, exposed and the truth seeping out into the public, it still seems like they're still attempting to to just push the same narrative i had a conversation with david martin who many of you know has been on the trail of the uh, information technology um uh and the intellectual property of right. uh, the vaccines and sars-cov-2 etc the patents and i had a conversation with him actually at the reawaken america in uh, dallas this last weekend he thinks we he thinks we've we're winning he sees cracks happening all over. Uh, uh, Robert F. Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci, uh, has really revealed a lot. And it, you know, it is a complete work of, of nonfiction, just like Peter Bragan's book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. Joe Hirshhorn had one of the very early books out right. on this. You know, it's these incredible works of nonfiction that are incredibly factual and cited. There's every single thing is cited. It's not opinion in these books. It is exposing a vast, vast web of connections. Maybe Dr. Hirschhorn can say more. Well, I think one of the things I've been looking at lately is so many of the people dying today from COVID in hospitals, and most of the deaths are occurring in hospitals, and the hospital protocols are not working. They're still giving remdesivir, which we know is a terrible, ineffective and unsafe drug. So there have been over 100 court cases now in the U.S. where families have gone to get and there's a lawyer and only about less than 10 of these have been successful. The hospitals, even when they get court orders to let a patient get ivermectin, I want to point out, the hospitals normally refuse to honor the court order. So, but these are battles that the families are waging because out of frustration, they're turning to ivermectin. Now I have to say, ivermectin, we always thought was, you know, one of the good things for early treatment. It seemed to work effectively in India, for example. But we have proof now several of these court cases that have been won successfully, patients on their deathbed, deathbed, in ICUs, okay, 
actually got ivermectin and walked out of the hospital completely well, okay, cured at a very late stage in terms of in terms of COVID disease. So for some reason, I don't even understand <laughs> the biology or the physics of it, why ivermectin is working on uh, patients who were intubated and, and seriously ill on their deathbed, giving a ten, given a 10% chance of living by the hospital doctors. And yet we have these cases where they are successfully uh, treated with ivermectin at a very late stage. It appears to have basically very negligible risk. It can be given down the nasogastric tube in an intubated patient yes. or orally. You know, we would do that for a patient with a parasitic infection or scabies anyway. And we know now we found the dose, 600 micrograms per kilogram. And as Dr. Hirshhorn pointed out, the, the analyses show, unlike hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin works deep into the illness probably because of its direct anti-spike protein capability. We now know the spike protein is a dangerous part of the virus. The only drug that has some blocking effect on the spike protein is ivermectin at a high enough dose. Now, right. it does other things. It blocks nuclear entry of the virus and actually has some effect on various kinases within the cell. That actually may play a role uh, late in the inflammatory phase of the illness. But, you know, ivermectin falls into the category. Why not? Yeah. You, know, you know, virtually everyone in the hospital, all the deaths occur in the hospital. So the That's hospital right. is the arena for COVID-19 deaths. That's when we're, we're basically throwing in the kitchen sink. Each and every patient who's sick with COVID-19 in the hospital all over the world should receive a fair trial of ivermectin, 600 micrograms per kilogram per day. Why not? Can't hurt and you have nothing to lose there, and patients are willing to go to court for it, and hospitals and doctors uh, should, should participate in shared decision-making and let the families and patients and the doctors decide together. But Ricky, I just want to point out that about 90% of these court cases trying to get ivermectin to the patient have failed, okay? Probably at least 90% have failed. So only uh, about 10% have succeeded and those patients, and one, I'm just reading about a new case. They got the ivermectin in very late in the game, and they only got, I think, two or three doses, and the patient did die. But we're talking about people who are in ICUs sometimes for six weeks or eight weeks or even longer, okay? These are seriously ill patients, and yet the hospitals are still fighting these court orders to try the ivermectin. It's, it's so, are we winning? You asked, are we winning? Well, in the case of uh, late use of ivermectin, we're losing in terms of statistical uh, court cases. That's Monica. because 90% of them aren't named Ralph Larigo. Um, <laughs> I, 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 would, I would strongly suggest anyone in need of um, help in the hospital to contact Ralph. I was in contact with him this weekend. We had a couple of uh, critical cases at We the Patriots USA that came to us this weekend. One was uh, a gentleman, a 28-year-old in Topeka, Kansas, who had been placed on a vent, uh, according to his family, against his will. And another was uh, one in, um, where was the other one? Nevada. Um, and he was able to jump in and help both of them. Uh, and he's in New York. Ralph's in, in, yeah. in, in yeah. Ralph Larigo is in New York, for those of you who don't who don't know him. Um, so uh, if anyone needs to get in touch with him, you can reach out to him directly. Or if you can't, reach out to We the Patriots USA and, and we'd be happy to help. Well, I published an article about this, this subject and I gave the contact information for that attorney. Okay, I wanted to help 
the readers of my articles, okay? He is, but he hasn't won all of his cases. He's done no. very well. No, but, he hasn't, but he's the one I'd go to out of everyone right. in the country. He's the one I'd go to. Absolutely correct. I have a question for the doctors. Um, is there really such a thing as long COVID? And would you suggest someone take ivermectin after the fact for that reason? There definitely is a long COVID syndrome. Uh, we were uh, actually stunned with data from Bruce Patterson that was published in preprint July 29th. And he identified the S1 segment of the virus spike protein in human monocytes up to 15 months after the respiratory infection. So, and I interviewed Bruce for the McCullough Report on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And Bruce says he has data now in the vaccinated and both the S1 and the S2 uh, uh, spike protein is found many months, actually as long as he can look after vaccination. We know the spike protein is what gets deposited into the brain, uh, the muscles, heart. It's literally found everywhere when looked for on autopsy. And now that we know it persists in the body for a very long period of time, it makes a lot of sense that long COVID is those who have had a heavy exposure to the spike protein. In published studies, 50% of those admitted to the ICU with respiratory COVID will end up with some long COVID syndromes, probably because of persistent spike protein in the body. It means like a long time for phagocytosis to clear it out. I asked Bruce, I said, is there any other illness where the, where the um, organism deposits uh, something in the body for that long a period of time? He said, yes. And I said, what's the example? He said, Lyme disease, that there's remnants of Borrelia burgdorferi in the body for many months, even over a year in Lyme disease. No wonder there's a post-Lyme syndrome. No wonder there's a post-COVID, long COVID syndrome. So I'd point the listeners uh, to a suggested protocol. There are no randomized trial yet, but a suggested protocol by the Frontline Critical Care Consortium, flcc.net. And they have a, a, a protocol called iRecover. iRecover. And it does list ivermectin as a choice. I can tell you, I see this in my clinical practice. If it's neurological, I end up featuring fluvoxamine, which has been supported by three clinical trials in acute COVID, including a recent trial from Brazil. Uh, and it has, I think, the right profile for neurologic symptoms of long COVID. And if there's any pleural or pericardial chest symptoms, I end up using colchicine, again, supported by the co-corona trial in acute COVID and having good results. Many of both these overlay syndromes, we end up using prednisone. Um, I know other doctors um, uh, that are working closely with ivermectin are featuring ivermectin for a prolonged period of time in the long COVID syndrome. Just another reason why our pharmacists, our American Board of Pharmacy and American Medical Association, they need to drop all their efforts to abolish the use of ivermectin. You know, the American uh, Medical Association has an initiative to actually abolish the use of ivermectin right now. It's an official stated objective as of early September. How do you, what's your opinion on why they're behaving that way? You know, it may be what's called regulatory capture. Uh, there's so much money flowing uh, to various organizations right now uh, in order to conjure up support for the mass vaccination program that as part of regulatory capture, you know, when this money comes into the CFOs, they may do a check down on talking points. Um, I know most health systems have issued talking points over and over again, uh, not to use hydroxychloroquine, not to use ivermectin, to only stay in line with CDC, NIH, and FDA 
you know, sponsored types of protocols and statements. One of the disingenuous statements that we get as talking points is, you know, no use of a drug outside of a research protocol, but then there's no research protocol offered. So the poor patient doesn't have, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I'll be in a research protocol. Where's the research protocol? Well, there isn't any. So, um, you know, so it's basically obviating use of important drugs to suffering patients. Uh, doctors need the full support now of all government agencies, of all stakeholders in order to let doctors be doctors. You know, the, the in 2018, the FDA had a nice uh, statement to the public uh, telling them why do doctors use drugs off label, off the original advertised label. It's when they're fulfilling an unmet need. Well, let me tell you what, acute and now long COVID syndromes are a clear unmet need. They are strongly supported by the FDA stance on this, that they should use drugs off-label. And all the other stakeholders who are trying to stop this appropriate clinically indicated off-label use should cease and desist. The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons has sent an official cease and desist letter to the AMA saying, listen, stop it. Let doctors be doctors. Exactly. And, you know, we've lost medical freedom and I've, I've written a few articles <clears throat> lately about the use of personalized medicine as a way to understand what we need to let doctors do. Doctors should, you know, make the medicine fit the patient, okay? That's personalized medicine, not this mass approach, government-dictated approach. Everyone use the same solution. Everyone get vaccinated. That is the opposite of medical freedom. It is the opposite of personalized medicine. Quick question for the doctor, since uh, while we still have you here, uh, Dr. McCullough, um, refresh my memory. It is not normal for professional soccer players, former uh, recently retired all pro wide receivers and children to drop dead from heart attacks. Correct. That's true. Is it reasonable to make a connection between the unveiling of the new vaccines and the recent spat of heart attack deaths in very well-trained uh, athletes and young children? Well, here's the chain of logic. Our FDA has told Americans that the Pfizer and Moderna messenger RNA vaccines cause myocarditis. They've, they've clearly said that. So that warning is clearly out there. The CDC had about 200 cases in June uh, that were, you know, pretty serious myocarditis. These They were kids and they were hospitalized, okay? And they were sick. They had really evidence of heart damage, you know, by multiple different methods of assessment. Now, the CDC VAR system has over 15,000 cases. And we know a young person's group uh, are athletes. And athletes have been told by their teams that they should take the vaccine. Now, many of them have various contractual uh, you know, options of non-disclosure where they simply don't have to disclose their vaccine status and they can bypass the vaccine. That's what Aaron Rodgers did as an example. He didn't take the vaccine. Uh, so, so many may not, maybe many U.S. athletes have not taken the vaccine, but I have to tell you, I'm suspicious in Europe because that's where we've seen this rash of deaths. There's a montage of athletes. I think there are nearly up to 200 athletes that have died on the field. I'm a cardiologist. I can tell you the leading cause of death on the field is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And we screen all the athletes now for this with EKG and echocardiography. So, you know, that, that we don't see deaths on the field anymore um, because, you know, basically the most common cause is screened out. And so with myocarditis, 
part of the treatment of myocarditis is basically rest from physical activity. The guidelines say that an athlete couldn't exercise for three to six months once they develop myocarditis. So the question is, are these athletes taking the vaccine and are they actually either having subclinical symptoms or having symptoms they ignore because you know they wanna be on the pitch playing uh, and they know their contract is on the line uh, and are they playing through vaccine-induced myocarditis? And then we know, that, by the way, we know when that happens, one of the outcomes can be sudden death on the playing field. I know, Scott, you had a question also. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Hey, Dr. McCullough, good to see you again, Scott from Cruzilla. Um, just real quick. So you made a very convincing case today. I listened to the Rogan interview this morning, you know, about not only the premeditation, but just the the crime that basically was committed. You know, you're saying up to 90% of these deaths could have been prevented. And I know right now there's a lot of focus on Fauci, for example, you know, a lot of scrutiny with Fauci and very well deserving. But I was wondering in your opinion and Dr. Hirschhorn, good to see you as well. You know, um, if, if you guys have any input on this, um, what other entities are there other entities out there that deserve equal scrutiny whether it's agencies or or government officials or in the private big pharma area anything that's just as equally culpable or who do you think whose whose hands have the blood on them right now would you say i'll defer to dr hirshhorn he's done a lot of scholarship on this yeah i would say absolutely unequivocally fauci is the key person I've, I've been working in the Washington area and I've done work for Congress and I've done a lot of work in government. And I can tell you for sure, Fauci has been controlling not only NIH, but FDA and CDC. He is the power behind the throne. He is the power behind the whole public health establishment, okay? It is Fauci. If you remove Fauci, I think we'd have a, a more of a winning chance here. So I think he is the most evil person. He has been wrong on absolutely everything. And what I've been trying to do in my recent articles is keep pointing out all of the positive things that he could have promoted from the very beginning of the pandemic. It could have been hydroxy. It could have been you know, ivermectin. It could have been vitamin D. It should have been a fight against obesity. 30% of hospitalized COVID patients, 30% are obese. He should have done as a public health person, he should have been promoting a lot of positive things. Home testing. Why didn't we get established cheap, really cheap or free home testing kits? If they can pay for vaccines, right? Why didn't the government think about paying for home testing kits like they've done in the United Kingdom? So I think Fauci has gotten it all wrong. Total mismanagement of the pandemic. What about in the private sector? Is there anybody we can point to there? Well, I always, of course, say follow the money. Uh, all of these top executives of Pfizer and Medina, they've all become billionaires because of a not just a billion dollar, but maybe a trillion dollar market for the vaccines. When we start to try to think about why aren't we doing this ivermectin or doing whatever at vitamin D, you have to always understand that anything that presents an alternative to vaccines is condemned by Fauci and the government structure and the public health establishment structure, which includes academics. Where do the, the professors working in, in public health, where do they get their funding from? Fauci. Fauci gives out an incredible amount of billions of dollars a year to academics. They will not speak up and lose their, their funding, okay? The journals, all of the big mainstream journals, where do they get their advertising from? 
big drug companies, okay? So everywhere you look, I see follow the money and the money has corrupted the system. Fauci has been totally corrupt. Thank you. This is a great, uh, great segue. I've got a, I want to kind of throw in here. I think um, my organization, the Art of Liberty Foundation in May of 2020, I believe that we were the first one to do a multi-investigator investigation into the COVID from the aspect that this was an engineered event brought on by, you know, intra organized crime interests that had engineered what was not really a pandemic. Since that time, uh, many others have now come forward. David Martin is naming names uh, at the recent Red Pill Expo. He, he released a list of uh, what he calls the privateers and the pirates behind uh, the engineered event of, of the COVID. Uh, Reiner uh, Fulmich in Germany yep. is leading a group that right. I understand uh, totals over 1,000 attorneys and 10,000 public health professionals calling for a Nuremberg II. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, RFK has got his new book, essentially accusing Fauci of criminality, uh, you know, outright. Um, what other investigations and what is the best evidence that the crew here has that this was an engineered event uh, to sell vaccines, to hand trillions of dollars to private companies, private banks through the bailouts and the stimulus? Uh, you know, all the other evidence of criminality, would anybody like to throw out what their uh, their best evidence is? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and sign off now, but you're in great hands with the with the esteemed panel. I think, uh, uh, Etienne, that was a terrific question, and and I, I wish you the best progress on this call. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, yeah, Mr. Mc uh, Dr. McCullough, thank you so much for, for everything you're, you're doing, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Keep up the great work, and hopefully your popularity only grows to help pay for some okay. of those <laughs> God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Great job. All right. <laughs> that was awesome that you threw that in it. Gave him the Alex Jones treatment. Alex Jones is on this call. <laughs> That's uh well, so let's let's go into you know something else. Or uh, well, I know Kingsley is still here and Matt's uh here too. I, I know on this show sometimes we get deep into the the roots of science and all that stuff, but the science that is important to get out, uh, obviously, in the last two years, it, it's been obvious. It's been hard to get out because of the censorship and all these issues. From a tech perspective, are you optimistic, uh, the float guys and and Matt? Are you guys optimistic for um, you know these other platforms like the ones that you guys are working with and the, uh, your companies? Uh, uh, you oh, know. Uh my my perspective is I, I just got out of a content safe meeting and uh, we're in really encouraging people to go to all platforms, but we're also preparing for everybody to go off the grid basically with IPFS and other types of less known distributed storage technologies. In fact, we're we're actually prototyping with one client today an IPFS node. Uh, and we'll be publishing probably half a terabyte of his videos over the course of the week. So I, I would say hunker down. Uh, I'm optimistic, but I think that uh, the dragon hasn't completely burned out all of its fuel yet. And we better be ready for worse things to come. Aaron, Kingsley, what do you guys think? Do you think, are you guys more optimistic about the future? Uh, yeah, and sorry, we just, as soon as you uh, mentioned our names, of course, our internet 
Yeah, never fail. But um, <laughs> are we optimistic about the future? Uh, I mean, it, it seems like things may get worse before they get better. Um, but overall, I, I would say like... Yeah, long-term, yes. Uh, you know, short-term, mid-term, I'm not so sure. But... Um, but hey, what else can we do? I mean, I think that's, you know, that's that's the big part of, you know, bringing everybody together is, is figuring out uh, solutions to the obvious, uh, you know, current problems. And so, you know, we just stress, uh, you know, community both online and in IRL in person. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we're doing at, at Float and at Float Fest and all the things that we're about. I think they are the people against humanity they're going to, they have a lot more to throw our way, a lot more shit. But I will say that I'm going outside, I'm talking to people every day. And I'll tell you, there are more people who are waking up every single day. Um, and I really feel like we are winning. Um, you know, people who have been vaccinated are now getting letters from their apartment complexes saying, hey, you need to be masked. There's a mask mandate. And they're saying, I got jabbed twice and I got a freaking booster shot. So what is the deal here? You know, like these people are are starting to push back a little bit. And I think that is a beautiful thing. And I think the more shit that these evil bastards are, are trying to implement and the more control they're trying to insert, the more pushback they're going to get. Yeah, and that's the big silver lining to uh, to what they're doing right now. They're just moving way too fast. I mean, I think we were all kind of used to more of the like one to three percent tyranny uh, incrementalism every year, and obviously they're just like stepping on on the gas. So um, you know, yeah, more people are waking up. It's it's great to see. But again, once they do that, it's the power of community uh, that we really need. We need to be together in droves. Uh, we need to support each other and. Um, I can't, I can't stress. I think I stress every time I come on this podcast, community, community, community. It's so important. And, uh, it's a pleasure being here with you guys tonight, uh, talking about this. Well, yeah, go ahead, Dr. Hirschhorn. I just want to say that data is coming to our rescue. In the last several days, I was publishing the latest data on the death numbers from the United Kingdom, four times as many people dying vaccinated people versus unvaccinated people. The data is going to help us win this war because more and more people are seeing that the vaccines, not only don't they work, but we're seeing incredible levels of deaths in vaccinated people. Mostly the, the best data is coming out of the UK. You can't trust the data out of CDC, but I'm telling you, there are an awful lot of people dying all over the world who are fully vaccinated in Israel, people are dying who have had one and two booster shots also. So I'm looking in terms of the ultimate salvation being good data, good data mm -hmm. showing that the other side is doing the wrong thing. Dr. Hirschhorn, does that, do you feel like those numbers indicate that these aren't really breakthrough cases, but could actually be consequences of the vaccine? Or is that not a thought you entertain? No, it, no, it's both. You know, I believe I follow one analyst and I think the right number for the United States in terms of how many people have died just from vaccines, I think the right number is at least 150,000. Okay. That's based on an analysis that I respect a lot. Uh, not the VAERS numbers, which are still utterly too low. So yes, it's a combination of breakthrough infections, 
and vaccine deaths themselves. I have to kind of put the black pill on this again. I mean, Etienne's question is the big question is, is how do we prove um, that this has been engineered through like all this funding sources and all the slush funds and all this bullshit that's happening. But I mean, it, to me, all these little wins that we talk about don't really mean anything because nobody's getting held accountable until the mainstream mm. media gets accountable for the, for the lies that they're doing. I mean, I can't go play hockey. I can't go to the gym. I can't fly to the States. I can't even fly to the province next door right now. And I'm not saying <laughs> I have a big problem with that because I'm fine. I'm doing fine personally, but like I, I don't have any means to push back at all. And people in Canada don't, we're not like, as far as I'm concerned, we're not winning this. Like they knew this would, they know what they're doing and they know what's happening. And that all this pushback is just going to accelerate the, 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 the tipping point of this whole thing. Well, to kind of piggyback on that for a moment, the, the thing that frustrates me when like groups uh, of doctors gather to discuss this thing and somebody interjects was this engineered everyone forgets to bring up the fact that when klaus schwab says the vaccines are foundation are the foundation for the fourth industrial revolution that has absolutely nothing to do with health that has everything to do with instituting the digital id and the passports and moving society onto the blockchain and that's a huge roadblock that I think that we're not effectively communicating to the professionals who get to go play in mainstream spaces and communicate, you know, uh, to, to audiences that wouldn't ordinarily have the opportunity to hear that, what this is effectively really about. 40% of the people, I would say, based, based on Desmet's kind of philosophy on mass formation right they're not going to wake up all these wins all this data all this stuff all these doctors on their own platforms that can't talk on the mainstream news it doesn't matter to those 40 percent. and those 40 percent have a loud psychotic voice right now against us how far are they going to go yeah but graham I, I feel like we are winning when you think about it we just had dr peter mccullough on who was on the Joe Rogan podcast, the biggest show in the world. He's, and he's on there and he is open. He's not tiptoeing the line of, are these vaccines harmful? He's reaching millions of people and he's openly saying it. He's not somebody who, you know, is scared to, to, to push back. He's openly coming with statistics, pushing back. And the things that we were, all of us, I mean, I think we all uh, deserve praise because all the things that now can publicly be discussed on a show like the Joe Rogan podcast or on Fox News with when um, Dr. Uh, McCullough is with uh, Carl uh, Tucker or any of the other guests or hosts on there. He, they're openly having the discussions that all of us were being censored for 18 months ago. They're openly talking about it. I mean, I think that has but what, to what's it going to do though? Like, I I'd love to know, like I, it's yeah, great to it's say that millions of people are working out, but it's, it's too late. Like what, what is all this going to do? I, I can't see that enough people are going to wake up and all of a sudden they're going to give up. They've been planning this for decades, for hundreds of years. If you really look back, they've wanted to take over the world for hundreds of years. Now their opportunity is here before there's too many individual rich people that they cannot control and, and, and take over. So, but are we going to let them? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I yeah, think that, we don't have a choice. 
the, the line has been drawn in the sand. And like, you know, we, Aaron and I, we moved from Las Vegas where we got in a, a commie governor that started, you know, instituting all this, all this uh, mandates. And we moved it, you know, we, we voted with our feet and we moved to Texas and we're looking to make uh, inroads with, uh, you know, law enforcement and, you know, potentially military that, that are awake and understand and, and uh, seem to be on our side. Taking a page out of uh, Howard's book there. Thank you, Howard, for hard pressing that lesson into us that there are police and and other enforcement agencies that are willing to help us. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, now's the time to, to, uh, you know, make connections and uh, a lot of people seem to be siding or this is their, their hill to die on. Um, so, you know, what other choice do we have? Do we just, you know, sit in a big city and we just, we just take it die, or? or we have to do something. And, and that's seems like the only kind of plausible uh, solution. Uh but also, think, just to get back to my, you know, just to get back to my point, um, the posse globally has figured out who has robbed the bank, and the posse is saddling up, and the posse is going. It's those guys over there, and whether it's David Martin, whether it's Reiner Fulmich in Germany, whether it's uh, RFK Jr. with the new book, um, we're now on the trail of this criminality. Um, in, in 2020, in May of 2020, we found plenty of evidence of prior knowledge and disaster capitalism in 2020. Now there's a, there's a, a ton, just a, just a, just a, just an amazing, amazing amount of evidence. There is no way that I think that the media is going to be able to cover up a global manhunt and a global, when you've got, you know, a thousand attorneys in uh, in Germany that are, that are, you know, got bloodlust, uh, it's going to be very, very hard to kind of stop that, you know, that dynamic that's going on. And so I just can't see any way that the media is going to be able to ultimately cover this up. And so I do think that we're going to prosecute this ultimately criminally. I think people are going to go to jail. I think Anthony Fauci is one of those people that's going to go to jail. Uh, I think he had Fall Guy written all over his face from the very, very, very beginning that this is the guy that's going to take the fall for the whole thing. Uh, maybe it's his 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 uh, his role in life, but uh, I see the I see a, a global truth movement that is that's already on the you know already on the trail, already figured out who's involved, and now we're just bringing it home we're just gonna just it's gonna we're gonna develop more and more evidence more and more people are gonna be aware and i think people are going to jail i i agree with you i i think graham you're right since the beginning of time people have uh, there's been agendas that are being pushed and there's always gonna be people trying to control other people and that's never gonna stop and that's a battle that we've been fighting like a lot of people who've woken up in the last two years they don't realize we've been fighting that fight this whole time i mean we've been trying to warn people of this. I think everything's been fast-tracked. And even though we won't, who knows if we'll ultimately win, I think what we can do is is slow it down, you know, and we can, you know, uh, are they going to come at it from a different direction maybe? Are they going to maybe implement something else differently? Uh, you know, you're already hearing uh, conversations I, about the tornado I, I think linked to climate change and all this other stuff, you know, the, the tornadoes in the uh, Midwest. And, you know, they're just constantly, you know, throwing stuff out there all for the same purposes, but just going at it a different direction. But I, I agree. I think 
you can only suppress the truth for so long. And we're all evidence of that because the things we we're saying that were getting us banned off social media and made us all look like tinfoil hat crazy people. Um, no offense, Sam. And uh, it, it's, hey. it's, it's one of those things where now like we can openly have these discussions and they're acceptable. So I think it is a step in the right direction. Maybe it's just me being optimistic. Sorry. Somebody want to jump in, Matt? Sorry. Uh, no, I think, I think that we need, We've got to look at the bad news. The bad news is that this fight will never, ever end. That, that's the thing we need to wake up to. We keep talking like we're watching a movie and we have that final defeat and we're victorious. Well, that's not the way this works. The reason we're in the position we're in is because we thought everything was okay. Things will never be okay. We have to change our perspective on the way we look at the world. It's never going to be okay. We're never going to be able to relax. It's there is, uh, and in all you know, graciousness to everyone who uses that word solution, that word solution is too definitive. We have answers to the present problem that's in front of us today. We do not have solutions to this, yeah. and we need to just sober up to that. It's going to be. For the rest of our lives, for our children, and for our descendants. Yeah. So you're saying um, there's no final solution, then, right? <laughs> that's right. There's no. no. There's no, no final no. solution, <laughs> right? That's a good thing. <laughs> I, I, I would like to go ahead. Let's also keep in mind when it comes to you know we can provide all the data and statistics that they just keep changing you know different definitions and so you know we could have different data saying that you know so many people have died from the vaccine or from the shot we should even acknowledge that's not really even the vaccine that's gene therapy but the, the bigger issue is i mean you could go in get a shot die immediately and you're not counted as dying from the vaccine or you could die or uh, two weeks later you're not counted as dying from the vaccine you can get your second shot as long as you don't die uh, as long as you die two weeks after your second shot, then that's when, and even then they'll probably fudge the numbers and probably not even count it as a vaccine related death. And so the thing is, you know, there's lies, damn lies, statistics. Also, I mean, Howard was talking about, or sorry, Etienne was talking about, uh, you know, how the posse has come around and, you know, identified who the bank robbers are. I mean, I think one of the quotes I really liked is, you know, if you want to buy, if you want to rob a bank, buy a gun. If you want to rob the world, buy a bank. And so I mean, what the bankers are trying to do, I think that COVID-19 was all just a cover up of a financial crisis that was uh, controlled demolition, you know, kind of going into Charlie Robinson and Berwick's book. And I'll also plug Jeff Berwick that, you know, one of the things that he talks about quite a bit now is, you know, one of the optimistic things are most people that are oppressing us they're going to be dead because they're going to have their fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth shots. And so, I mean, to look at this and you know, put an optimistic spin, like, yeah, it sucks that my grandparents and one of my parents is involved in this and one of my other a couple other close family members. But you know what? Can't say it wasn't for lack of me trying and lack of me being a black sheep for years and years and years. Um, but, you know, I also heard Alex Jones say recently on one of his shows that, you know, if the if the situation was hopeless or propaganda wouldn't be necessary, just think of all the tens of billions, maybe hundreds of billions, trillions that have gone on to this propaganda network. So I don't think it's absolutely hopeless, but the bigger thing is, I mean, they're trying to reverse engineer us into a blockchain based tyranny as a uh, slow news day or Graham, I think one of you guys were mentioning that. And so just like a gun can be used to protect yourself or to, you know, basically kill someone or be killed. I mean, blockchain can be used as the most freeing thing for humanity or the thing that enslaves humanity. And, and I guess I'll, I'll, the last point I'll make too, is that 
when it comes to people waking up, the problem is a lot of people who that woke up uh, then woke up and got psyoped by QAnon. And so, you know, when you have the whole technocracy being able to see where, where like the zeitgeist is going and then be able to incrementally move the zeitgeist one or 2% off course. So that way, you know, you're the Titanic and you hit the iceberg as opposed to not hitting it. That's, you know, that's why I spent so much time uh, trying to debunk QAnon right from the very beginning. And yeah, I had a lot of people pissed off at me. And then, of course, you know, John and I and Josh Segerson, we get kicked off YouTube the d- same day as all the QAnon people. And no offense to the people that just woke up to, you know, QAnon. But the thing is, these attacks will keep continuing in the future. But yeah, I know it's a long rant with lots of things well, I just touched on. Well, I, I look at it, Tim, as, uh, you know, there, there's cycles through history. And all throughout history, we have this cycle in between collectivism and individualism when it comes to governance of the people. You always have, you know, you start up with, uh, like in back here, I, I put up a whole bunch of hyperinflated currencies. Those are just symptoms of, you know, this constant fight between collectivism. Uh, on the one side, you know, the control and, and the want, you know, the group to be the, uh, center and focus instead of the individual right being the center of focus. Like, for example, China, everything is about the collective. Uh, and in the U.S., it, it was built upon initially, you know, the individual. But that changes over time as human mentality and psychology, you know, uh, builds uh, through history. And, and as you can see, you know, there's uh, constant cycles throughout history where we repeat uh, and uh, we, we do the same things because human psychology tells us that humans wants to be lazy, you know, and, and not do as much. You know, we want to do things as efficiently, as fast as possible. So we have these cycles where we just commit the same mistakes over and over again. Even if there was no controlling elite, we would be doing the same thing over and over again. And of course, by using these fiat currencies that always fail, uh, those are actually forcing uh, the, the totalitarian uh, behavior basically into our system. Like now, there's just blatant corruption everywhere. Everybody's just like, you know, we're living in a horribly financialized world where everybody's just taking advantage of everybody and everything. And, and it's just like on the road as a, you know, freight train towards a uh, massive cement wall. And it's not going to look pretty nice when we hit it, but then we're going to cycle back to. Uh, a system potentially again after all these tyranny has been implemented when it collapses we're going to cycle back again to smaller government and then we're going to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again i think you know personally like studying history but that's that's just me john oh monica go ahead but then uh john paul has a couple things i'll make it i'll make it quick i just think it's a very helpful analogy especially if you're trying to look forward to what's to come to really view this as world war three so just like world war one and world war two which were fabricated or whatever prompted from the beginning works behind the scenes then um there's a book of world war one called prolonging the agony and there's if you look at Target Patton about Eisenhower also prolonging World War II, they prolong it and they do it because they want to implement these massive changes, economic, financial, right. currency, social, cultural. And on the other end of it, yes, you're well, you're usually still human and you have a lot of people who still remember the before time, but they make it happen long enough that you get fatigued by it and they take away the old things. They destroy it. It's that controlled demolition. And then you come out the other side, but it really is a different world. And I and I, I'm with Graham. Like I think that's for sure happening. And I mean, I think that's just a helpful way to look at 
what this what the, where the arc is i think we're kind of at the arc but there's a lot more to come and at the end of it it's really not going to look the same as it was before although hopefully we can maintain our relationships and our humanity yeah john, you want to jump in and then okay. alex i know it's late where you are in, in europe uh if you want to jump in too actually if alex wants to go because he's been waiting the longest oh thank you well uh, i wanted to say two things uh first of all i don't know um few months ago, I, I posted an article uh, saying that the banking cabal is behind this supposed pandemic. And I, I wrote that I, I was sure that the wheels were going to come off of this thing. It was it was just hopelessly overambitious. And uh, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And uh, I kind of anticipated that they would kind of shift uh, their drive for this uh, totalitarian great reset, uh, whatever that you want to call it, fourth industrial revolution towards a war. Because if they manage to trigger a war, then everything goes out the window because, you know, once once you have that kind of an emergency, let's say we go to war against Russia or China then it's easy for government to completely crush dissent, you know, like in Tucker Carlson would be off air. Uh, Joe Rogan would be off air. They would probably go to prison. And all of a sudden you have this, you know, like people would possibly even close ranks behind the government because if you buy into the narrative that, you know, Vladimir Putin is Hitler, Xi Jinping is Hitler, we have to confront them that they're coming for our way of life. We have to fight. We have to go to war. That everything's out the window. And as the wheels are coming off very rapidly off of this uh, pandemic agenda, you can see that the escalation to war is starting to go into an overdrive. You, like practically every day you have like the, the British are moving troops to Germany. The British are moving troops to Poland. The British are moving troops to Estonia. Um, you have Victoria Nuland flying left and right trying to get Ukraine to start some kind of a war, anything, you know. They're trying very hard to do that. And so I think that our big worry now is not to fall into that. The pandemic, I think, is finished. I think I think this is just the period of, of dust settling. And I think it's over because uh, because people are not buying it anymore. So anyway, that's, that's that. I'm very optimistic about the future of the pandemic. Uh, the war now is the is the wild card, but I have the impression, I have a fairly strong impression that the leadership in Russia and China uh, have completely understood the game, have completely understood who their enemy is. You know, it's not it's not the American people, it's not the British people, it's not the Europeans. It's the is the cabal that's 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 managing things on the Washington Wall. Uh, sorry, not Washington, Wall Street, City of London axis. That's 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 where it's at. Yeah. The other, yeah. Um, there's just a couple of things I think Monica, Matthew, Graham, and Alex all make excellent points. And, um, you know, I, Ricky, I've been on your show. I've been on a couple other folks' shows. And I would say this everything that once was is no more. Um, this was a mass psyop of fear and death ritual uh, for 7 billion people in the world. And when we're talking about the end of the pandemic, we're not talking about the end of the scars from this time. Uh, 
Um, everything that preceded us before had led us to here from 9-11 to now. And you could go back decades before, hundreds of years before. This is all NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, mind tricks with stimulation and sedation. Um, we have basically taken private matters that were settled individually and made them public for debate because of our ignorance in our health, in our immunity, how viruses actually work, how vaccines are even made, and how they're supposed to work. We, um, we have basically changed our perception of reality. And what that means going forward, in my view, is that they have put us all in buckets, decentralized, so that they can pick us off a hell of a lot easier going forward. Division, conscious mind control, two realities, at least minimum, going forward. And what that means is not political or social or cultural, but psychological authoritarian versus libertarian principles that are polarities that are going to be in play in a duality for the rest of our time until such time comes. But I, I, I try to present this to people. It's like, say, look, if tomorrow the curtain was pulled back, would everybody see the same thing? No, because nobody sees the same thing today, even though it's self-evident. Um, I believe that the answer is in a video out there that I will put a link in this chat. And it's one from 2018 where Ronald Bernard, who was a former banker who worked among the 8,000, if you believe that, among the 8,000 above the banks, above the BIS, the IMF, and the World Bank, he worked through the 80s and 90s with them. And these people on a level that we don't see or even know today sacrifice children to interdimensional beings. They hate all life on this planet. And he was among that group. He didn't sign in blood, otherwise he would have been dead. And I've known Ronald now for three years, and I've talked to him about all the different things going on. Um, what I believe is the only way forward is forgiveness, compassion, empathy, unconditional love for all of our own ignorances first. And then secondly, all the people that were duped. Because at the end of the day, even if you were to tell them the truth, because of these, what I would call assholes who run six major corporations called the media, um, they've all controlled these people through pedophilia, and blackmail, and they're going to move the authoritarian energy that has been summoned and reaped into artificial intelligence for the fact that all of our institutions and all of the people running these institutions are no longer to be trusted. Artificial intelligence will solve that. It will be presented as a solution to this time to sedate the public. Once the crimes have been revealed, people go to jail. Um, but that energy out there, if you look at all the countries that have had the worst and most harshest policies implemented, uh, of course, they're the ones without the guns, but that's not the issue. The issue is to harden them. This is a, a lack of trust, a lack of faith, a lack of confidence that is going on out there. And it's going to ride through the entire financial system, 
um, it is going to be exploited for not for central bankers, but for the new future billionaires and millionaires that are going to occupy the smart cities and are going to run things from them. That's their plan. Blockchain, digital ID, it will all come full circle, whether you believe in COVID or not. The fact of the matter is that COVID, like Matthew said, is going to be with us forever because it's believed in the minds of billions of people that it existed to begin with, a 99.6% survival rate, and yet here we are. This is mass psychosis. And so I guess what I'm saying is that there isn't a mechanical answer to this if there is a victory to be had. I think that will be given to us considering that it's no different. I guess what I'm saying is we have to learn the lessons of the past, 9-11 to now, the Gulf War. Um, it got us to the next phase. It pushed us into voting for Obama for the same policy. If you want to go down to that level, but it made everybody swing from one pendulum side of the pendulum to the other and then back the other way. And the question is, is like, do we see ourselves all as refugees or victims or somebody that can do something to create a new world? And if we rely on those structures or the next thing that they offer us as the sedation to the stimulation, then we're just going to walk right into the next prison that they have built for us. That's what I truly believe. And, and this is the only thing that, you know, what, one of those things that uh, I think it was, Alex, this is the last thing I'm going to say, that it doesn't work. This, is, this pandemic doesn't work. I think that was by design, actually. I think that that somebody wrote this, uh, and I can't remember the author, so I apologize, but it was about a year ago, and they did a full analysis on George Soros's Open Society Color Revolution that if fully implemented during the occupation of a Democrat uh, president, it would actually implode on them. So I think that the radical left, if you will, is being used to push everybody into a new time. And they are retiring the 20th century and communism to launch an authoritarian AI system that will have its tentacles in our banking and our commerce and our blockchain and our supply chain across the board. And if anybody wants to learn about this, I would say go to CoreyDiggs.com and look up her four-part series on the blockchain digital ID. Doesn't mean they're going to get all of that implemented, but they're sure as hell going to try. Uh, can I jump in here? No, just, just one quick thing. On the subject of AI, and, and I, I wanted to barge in because I spent 20 years of my life working on AI. And one thing that people need to keep perspective on is that AI is extremely difficult to, to do. It's very fragile. It's very hard to get it right. It's very maintenance intensive. And so a lot of these things that they are, they're flashing in front of us that it's going to be like this and it's going to be like that. Uh, I guarantee you that more than 90% of that is never going to work. So I, would, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about AI running our lives. It's not going to happen. I also think if we did have strong AI, that it would be on our, our side. And so a lot of people don't consider the fact that artificial intelligence may uh, tend to the side of justice 
may realize exactly what's going on on this planet and maybe want to help us by exposing uh, what needs to be exposed. So AI could be positive. It's not necessarily going to be negative. Well, there, there, um, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. I want to jump you, real quick. Uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Sam. Uh, you know, I, I, I think there's things that work right now that are, are, I think we're in a constant battle of light versus dark. I think if they could, you know, totally shut us down, if they could completely shut down the internet, they would do it. I think there's forces of light that push back on that. If you want to get into the spiritual, it's really easy to get blackpilled on everything. If they wanted to do all that, they wouldn't have to false flag everything and do, they would just drop the hammer on us. But I don't think it's that easy. And I think, I think them trying to do this giant lockdown. It, I mean, humanity is just so big and I don't care how much money you have. Uh, the, whatever the internet is, it seemed to expose a lot of stuff they're doing. I know they're trying to censor it, but I don't think they could do it. I think it's blood in the water. I think our biggest concern is, you know, and I talk a lot to everybody about the police here. What, what, how are we going to get the police to stop pushing these policies that are not only not good for the masses, but for them themselves and their family. I think that is the biggest thing out there. I think, uh, if you just follow the rules of the universe, I say this every time on the show, the rules of the universe is law of attraction, law of abundance, love thy neighbor. You know, I'm a, I'm a weirdo, dude, but, you know, love is the answer. It really is as visceral of a reaction I have to that word because of my wiring. Love is the answer. That's what works. Giving it away, spreading the love. You know, we always hear all this stuff about how, you know, Oh, you know, empires crumble because the morals got away. Like people doing weird shit behind closed doors is why Rome and Greece fell. The truth of the matter is, is they fell because all the money and all the power consolidated at the top. And you can't have a fucking any kind of form without a base, man. You can't have a system without a base and it implodes on itself. But the difference between then and now, in my humble opinion, is the Internet. The internet has allowed us both for good and bad, you know, to connect with others who think like we think and allowed us to form correlations and coalitions to um, work together. I mean, like it hasn't happened in the United States, hasn't happened in Canada as much, but look what's going on in Europe, Australia, Austria. They've dude, the government gave up on that. I mean, so when people are saying humanity is going to win, I totally agree with that, dude. These guys, Klaus Schwab, he's a speck of shit to the universe, brother. He's a real speck of shit, and he has the most power out there. But he's not bigger than the universe, man. So the biggest, our biggest obstacle is how quickly can we get law enforcement to realize that who they got to fight for, okay? Because at the end of this... When we push back and we try to reset the system, in my humble opinion, there's a check for law enforcement in there. That's what they're worried about, check, and they're willing to destroy everything to keep that check going. But they don't understand that brown shirts always get got at the end. They always get taken out. So you can either come with us now and push back, or you could be on your head on a guillotine. It's up to you, but at the end of the day, and I know it's a weird thing to say after you're talking about guillotines, but love will win. I just really believe it, man. And it's like some of you guys have been in this game for a long time. Some of you guys are new to the game. I've been in doing this for a couple of years now. And just I feel more hope than ever. You know, more hope, more people are talking. And I think 
you know, there's these things they always do with us where they're like, look at this weapon we got. Look how big it is. Oh, isn't it scary? If you don't do what we tell you, we're going to zap you with this. Well, you know, and it never happens. So much of this is, is smoke screens and, and shadows in the cave, man. And I know that Canada's going through it right now. But you know what? That's what happens when you, when you give up your guns and you do all that shit. And, you know, so I, I feel for Canada. I love Canada. I have a ton of Canadian wo- women trying to get green cards. So if you guys are lonely, let me know. But Australia, Canada, all these other places, we're winning, man. We're going to win. And I just want everyone to have hope. And, like, shows like this are what hope is. And uh, I just think the future is going to be bright. You know, uh, before anybody yeah, what, he said. what I said earlier... Uh, I, I am not saying we should have no hope. I'm not saying we should give up. I am saying we need to grow up and understand love is the answer. I agree with you. I agree with you, Sam. I do. But hey, can if we I, don't can grow I, up, sorry. right? And, and keep in mind that these guys will never go away. Then we're going to be back in the same position again, even if we win. Sorry. Go ahead. Hey, no, look, I, I just want to jump in there. I, I want to, uh, I was going to read this and then I, I just don't have the accent for it. So I'm going to try and play it into the mic and see, you know, I thought we were doing a show about, you know, the end of the year kind of best thing you've heard. So here's the, the best thing I think that I heard uh, from the greatest, probably one of the greatest American yogis of our time, Wim Hof. Here goes. See if you can hear this. Bring your mic up a little bit. I can't yeah. hear you. It's hard to hear, dog. Can't hear. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to tell you. That. Maybe you got a little bit of a, a win, off. We are gladiators of the light. That's what we are. We have to remind us when we are frustrated and it feels like we're not getting anywhere. Getting anywhere. We're getting somewhere. Of course, they say you got to quantify it. Well, fuck you. Fuck you, you motherfuckers. You've tortured people. Ignore people. People are dying. And I've found an answer which is clear for any person, except for you who are in charge of money and pharmaceutical industries and the government. This is the most positive fucking guy out there saying love everybody and at the same time saying fuck you motherfuckers. That's where I think we got to be. Love everyone and fuck you motherfuckers. Yeah. And then now I just, uh, you know, again, let's remember that, you know, we've had World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, uh, 9-11, all these things that have happened in the past. I mean, I joined the military because I was lied to in high school about 9-11, lost, you know, my best friend. Uh, my father's been in, you know, the war on drugs has been going on for decades. My father's been in prison for, uh, yeah, for almost three decades in prison for nonviolent crime. So things have been really bad. I think we're just now waking up to it. And because of technology like the internet and, uh, you know, I know there's been a lot of negative talk as far as cryptocurrency and blockchain. And yes, I agree that it can be used for good or evil. I believe that at the very least the internet and crypto provides an opt out. And that is at least one solution. I mean, their, their, uh, their printing press can only last for so long. I mean, really, it's just, it's just a matter of time uh, before, you know, the, the, the math doesn't work in their favor. Um, so we have now the ability to opt out uh, using technology and to communicate with each other. So it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out uh, what we need to do to, uh, to survive, you know, what's coming before us. And, uh, and yeah, I just, you know, I just, well, can we also, is, yeah. cause, oh, we, 
we briefly scratched the surface about censorship. It's a great time to uh, bring up Float. Let's people check out Float. It, uh, Kingsley and Aaron, they are the founders, creators, uh, everything that has to do with Float, that, that's them. And it's a uncensored platform. It's a social media platform that we want. Uh, one where you know, you're know you uncensored, you can share your videos, you can share your comments, have dialogue, and, uh, and it's not censored. So Please support people like them, support people, all, all the alternative platforms, Rockfin, who's letting us stream this, all the alternative platforms, because when one door closes, another one opens. And, and thanks to these platforms, because if not, where would we be posting our videos we, if we didn't have Float, if we didn't have uh, these other alternatives? So, um, you know, I think that another optimistic way of looking at all this is hopefully, and it seems to be true, that the popularity of all these alternative platforms are growing because of the extreme censorship of those uh, mainstream platforms, right? And you would agree with that, Aaron and uh, Kingsley? Oh, absolutely. I always like, you know, I like to say that, you know, in the midst of, uh, of the, all the chaos, there's, there's always, that's when there's real opportunity. And now's the time for us to kind of rebuild society, you know, maybe as it, as it should have been, we've all been kind of lazy and relying on uh, these uh, technocrats and, you know, uh, tyrants to kind of tell us how it's, how it's been done. But now we have things like, uh, you know, resilient technology and, and, you know, peer to peer technology, that can really you know push us um to the next level of uh this this human experience so um so yeah i mean that's the, that's really the main thing you know as part of the the ron paul you know revolution back in, in 2008 and 2012 and why i once i really finally wrapped my head around uh cryptocurrency and the fact that it's it provides a uh, financial opt-out that can if we if every you know if everybody in the world uh, jumped onto crypto, which seems to be happening more and more every year. Um, you know, their printing press, the, the the money that they print to to pay the soldiers and to pay uh, pay the police to commit these atrocities uh, will no longer be worth you know anything. Just as we've seen throughout human history with these fiat currencies that eventually run out of time. And so, yeah, just you know, I'd like to stay positive when it comes to that. Anybody else want to jump in? If not, we'll, we'll get Darren in here because he's been uh, waiting in his car for his hooker uh, patiently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Nothing worse than a late she's hooker. Jump good. in, buddy. She's not late. She's here. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can yes, hear you. Yes. yes, we can hear you. We can't hear well, her. Just, we can hear you. I just got uh, busted. On Tuesday, maybe it was Monday, for a break in quarantine because um, I went to Montana without a vaccine. And uh, it's funny because me and my girlfriend both, when she's vaccinated, I'm not. So she didn't have to quarantine, but I did. Actually, first we were both going to have to quarantine because we didn't fill out the app correctly. So we had to turn around, drive into Montana again park in the fucking parking lot of the United States so we could do this stupid Canada thing. And then come back in and I had to uh, quarantine anyway, I guess, because I'm not vaccinated. Um, but I just didn't do that because I don't agree with it. And I'm not sick. I've already had COVID. When I did have COVID, I did isolate. Um, so I didn't think they'd come to my house because they never have before. I've been, I've been told to quarantine a few times now. 
but uh, I got a random call on Tuesday or Monday at like 10 a.m. from uh, the RCMP. Uh, I forget his name. I, I'm not going to dox him anyway because he's a super nice guy. Honestly, at the end of the day, he called me and he gave me like a couple chances to like get out of trouble. You know, I first answered the phone. He's like, hey, Darren, <laughs> you know, I guess you must just be upstairs or something or in bed because I knocked at the door and no one came here. And I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm out, man. I'm, I'm out. And he's like, oh, well, did they not tell you that you're supposed to quarantine? They must not have told you. And I'm like, oh, no, they told me. And I'm just, I'm not doing it, man. I don't agree with it. And so him and I got in a big kind of back and forth about that a little bit about, you know, I was like, is this kind of what you signed up for? And he was like, well, you know, not really. I'd rather be catching criminals. And I was like, well, I'm not a criminal, dude. I'm just, you know, trying to make a living here. I'm down in Montana looking at some land. I'm living my life. And uh, he's like, uh, and I, he's like, well, you don't understand if you've never served in the army or in the police force, the brownies that you take an oath, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I thought you took an oath to us. And, you know, I could argue that you have a higher level of responsibility here to take the high road and to not go along with this stuff. And I should caveat that by saying, you know, the by and large, the police in Alberta, and I'm sure people will tell me I'm wrong for a bunch of reasons. But by and large, my experience with the police in Alberta, both the Calgary police and the Alberta RCMP has been pretty positive. You know, I've flown multiple times. I've denied the quarantine hotels. I've crossed the land border multiple times, you know, and they've never given me any trouble. Threatening phone calls from Canadian governments. I've got told threatening stuff from border agents, mostly in the airport. Uh, so this guy, at the end of it, I was. We had our conversation, and I was like, "Listen, if we're going to continue this conversation, then then let's just do it in a courtroom. You charge me, we'll have this chat in the courtroom because I'm not going to just, you know, that's where we're at." And he was like, "Well, I need to." And uh, that was Tuesday, and I haven't heard back. That was last Tuesday, I should say. That I haven't heard back. And my quarantine, I think, officially ended Saturday or something like that. Um, so that's the one caveat. The other thing I'll say is that even though Joe Biden has said that you need a vaccine and all the Canadian press right now says that you need to be vaccinated to drive into the U.S., I've driven into the U.S. multiple times with my Indian status and with people that don't have Indian status. And nobody in Montana has ever asked for anything to do with COVID at all. So, um, yeah, I would argue that's actually that, that you, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's something that's uh, been a... a a great way of getting people to get vaccinated. I, I constantly keep hearing from people like, oh, I got vaccinated so I could travel. I got vaccinated so I could travel or I got vaccinated for this or for that. And then I'm like, well, you know, you can get a negative test or you know that like they're not checking you when you go to different states. Like I, I was at the gym this morning and somebody was like, he's like, oh, I want to go to Florida. Did you end up having to get vaccinated or getting a negative test? I'm like, 
neither. I'm like, they didn't check anything. And he's like, really? He's like, I thought the news. I'm like, yeah. And that's all they have to do. They just have to plant that little seed of, you know what? You're going to deal with some inconveniences if you don't, if you're not vaccinated and people just jump on that. And little do they know that in many cases, you can actually just show a negative test, which obviously is an inconvenience, but it's much better than putting a experimental vaccine in your system. I know uh, a John, um, oh, well, Darren, I'll let you finish real quick. Sorry. They don't let you do that for flights here anymore. So they're saying if you're not vaccinated, you aren't getting on the plane, period. But then when I started fighting with Air Canada, because they owe me some money right now for some flight credits. So I've been fighting with them about that. And they sent me to the religious exemption form. Which looks, and I've gone down this religious exemption road a couple of times because I've been kind of fighting this through a couple of job sites in Alberta because they were going to implement it. I've gone head to head with Alberta Health Services on their direct job sites through the protocols trying to get religious exemptions. And they were like hard no on everything. But this one from the airline looks a little bit different. And I think I'm going to try it out because I think that if you go through the trouble of filming this, filling this form out and going and getting, you have to go and take it to the registry or something like that. But I think that might be a valid workaround. Well, uh, so I'm going to test that out. I'm just sort of just always poking at different ways to get through the system as opposed to just like, Uh, I think we're losing Darren a bit. Yeah, D- Darren, if if you want to wait and see if you get better service, I know J- John or uh, he mentioned something that actually I just heard recently, also a podcast uh, talking about it with James Corbett, and that's Ernie Hancock and his new magazine and some of the stuff that's going on with that. Uh, I, now would be a great time to kind of uh, help spread the word with what you're doing with that, Ernie. Well, I put the uh, link in. Uh, am I coming through okay? Sound I great. Buttons, buttons pushed. The, um, I, I put the links up for you guys. Um, we've done newspapers since the early 90s and uh, e-zines and so on. This is number gazillion. But um, the physical newspaper, I wanted to bring it back to demonstrate just how useful it is to bypass censorship. Because in the 90s, that's why we did it. Then, because the newspapers, nobody would cover anything, of course, the Liberty community, we're going to screw you. You We'll just do it ourselves. And one thing that, um, you know, excited James and uh, a lot of other people is because not only do we put it up there and we have, you can buy it in bulk. It's really inexpensive and you can spread it. And I sent you guys the link. You can download the PDF of it. I mean, you can see what the paper looks like and uh, it's being printed now. And I did 10,000 copies. Usually I can get rid of 5,000 pretty easy and then other people want, you know, copies. But I got 15,000 because after 10,000, it's only 10 cents, a 40-page color issue. And I'm going, uh, I want more, you know. And it was, it's been, it takes a long time for Don and I to put these together, curate it, get the right authors and so on. And they're just, you look at page two and you see the authors and you go, Damn. I mean, we always put out a really quality product. The thing that we did this for and thing that uh, James is excited about is not only do we put it up and you can see it, we put up the InDesign template for it. 
and we have several different versions of it, so different sizings for different newspapers, because these newspapers, they're not running their presses 24-7. They're printing somebody else's paper, you know, or somebody does, you know, some whatever the hell local something. So we've been doing this since 92. And whenever I want to, you know, oh, they pissed me off, you know, we'll do these papers. Now, what we started doing since uh, 15, I think, is we make it to where it has QR codes to the articles and some of the hyperlinks kind of thing so that the you're sitting at the diner, the physical newspaper is interactive with the internet. So all of the display ads and everything, like you know, Ron Paul's Liberty Report will have a QR code and they just click right to it and go to the site. So it's it's a beautiful paper. It's it we spent a lot of time on it, and it's more a demonstration of how to bypass the censorship because we've been operating from this mindset for 30 years. They've always been censoring and we knew when we did the internet, they were going to do the same thing. Well, here we go. That's why IPFS and so on and all that. And I, I got to apologize. You know, I really wanted to include, um, you know, float and, and some other people in social media. We just haven't had time to really pimp it out. And I didn't want to, you know, be a bad example, you know, so now that we finally done this, and we're doing our uh, aircrete dome production, and we have a lot of the real activism that we're going to be doing, challenging the state, tell me what I can and can't do with my land. So in 22, we're going to be focusing on that a lot more, and we have the time because the Love Bus Liberty Tour is winding down at the end of this year, and we're going to devote a lot of that time to this. And the main focus is, and I tell the audience, I'm always, look, man, Quantum reality, watch this. It's whatever I can focus on, all of a sudden it's like everywhere. Oh, wow, man, you pegged that one. Well, it's going to be property rights, real property rights, that the purpose of government, my life, liberty, property, pursuit of happiness, is me building a freaking house on my own land out in the middle of the freaking desert and unincorporated, no HOA, no city, no nothing, and they're going to tell me what I can and can't. Kiss my ass, okay? So this is what I'm going to be focusing on as a concept to get it back into our minds again that we can build our own freaking home. So that's something that I'm really going to be pushing on because I know that I can make it an issue. So we're going to make it an issue. And one of the things that helps with that is there are these newspapers. So we're going, they're ordering them by the thousands. I mean, it's $400 for that. You just go to join at the top of freedomsphoenix.com and you'll see it. And I sent you the links and you guys will get it. But the main thing is, is that it is a powerful tool that bypasses censorship that supports. And the focus on this was the transition from an urban environment to a more rural environment. That was the, the whole concept. You know, that was why we wanted to do this is to try and demonstrate to people that we're having a, a transition in thought. We're going back old school. We're starting to, how do we take responsibility? We got to take responsibility for raising our children, for the food we eat, the water we drink, you know, where we live, how we associate. Uh, on the front page is farm match, which is, you know, how to, you know, get your cucumber and not die. And uh, um, private membership associations, how you can set yourself up and not be with the men and Karen Katowski and, of course, Larkin Rose on the front. But there's, you look at the list of authors. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, you'll be impressed. But now I'm uh, a lot, you know, James and I have been doing a show for years, and um, it was 2020, yep, here it comes. 21 was solutions. 22 is the consolidation, the convergence, the, 
you know, people coming together to start, you know, more of a, um, I don't know, a, a directed decentralization down to the individual thing that I'm going to try and support. And, and I, there's no real leaders in decentralization. I mean, that's not how that works. But I'm going to be an example and an inspiration by doing it. And we've been building up all the infrastructure of Freedoms Phoenix, the radio show, Pirates Without Borders, the Love Bus, you know, everything, the newspapers, the magazines, everything that we've done has been for what's coming in 22. And it's starting right now. I just today was the day that we're out building the uh, workshop that we're doing all the stuff in. And I just started taking pictures and some video and I got to, you know, I don't know who the hell does all this video about this stuff and has time to do anything. I mean, you know, I, 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 I ain't got time to do video, so I'll make some time for video and pictures so that we can uh, show what we're doing. And there's a lot of other people around the country, like Mike Swatek. You know, he's going to be speaking in this January at the Greater Reset on the uh, Air Creek Domes that he's doing. And we were out there, you know, starting him off and, you know, seeing him. We had that in the paper, too. So I'm um, I'm. I'm with a lot of the other guys already. I'm optimistic as hell because I've been spending decades trying to get people to understand there even was a problem that we were going to get to where we are right now. Well, we're here. So now I don't have to do that anymore. Now it's solutions, example, inspiration, rock and roll. I'm feeling pretty good. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting, you know, but we're going to get there. Anybody want to add to that or, or I mean, I do, I do kind of feel like from the perspective of, of having been screaming my head off about this for, for, you know, a couple of decades to anybody who would listen, it, it is <clears throat> an incredibly positive thing to see so many people start to get it. What I also understand and recognize is that this is a period of acceleration. So of course there's going to be people that understand and get it what the the goal is i think <clears throat> is getting everybody together and i i think more importantly than ever as they work harder and harder to isolate and separate people from each other getting together in the physical space is incredibly important I'll throw it to whoever at this point gordon alex i know you guys are in the am in europe uh, what, what's the European perspective? And, uh, you know, are you guys optimistic? Are you pessimistic? I mean, what, how, what's your feeling about uh, the next year coming? Um, I, I have to say, from, from my point of view, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic in the sense that, you know, everything that's happened has been a huge wake-up call to everybody. I mean, like two years ago, um, I, I, I knew this. I knew this pandemic was a scam from day one. The the day they day the day they they locked us down. I knew it was a it was a it was a fake pandemic, and I knew that they crossed the Rubicon. They couldn't go back. However, uh, you couldn't talk to anybody. Uh, I was I was the conspiracy nut, and and I had people chuckling at me and ridiculing me. Today, the situation is dramatically different. And so I think that the, the, uh, what we, the gift we got from this pandemic was that a huge, huge segment of, the, of, of humanity woke up and they started looking around and realized 
that this system is rotten to the core and we need change. And there's no going back to the old normal because the old normal was rotten. We just didn't realize it. And so that's all good. Um, and the percentage of people that is that that are to varying degrees awake to this is is I think extremely significant, probably unprecedented because one thing we never had is the internet. We couldn't have these kinds of conversations before. You know, we were getting what we're getting from the newspapers and from the from the radio and tv so this this is a complete game changer and uh, i think that the huge problem that we have to resolve and this is really a huge problem is that uh, we don't have a spare uh how do you call it uh social organization system um to we need to we need to build a new society and we don't really know what it is because we've spent our whole life in like a, in a chicken coop and we're going to get out of it and then we're not going to know how to live and i think everything's up for grab but the grabs but i think that the far and away the most important uh, problem to resolve is the money system because the money system has built this rotten world everything that's fallen about this world um was built on the back of a fraudulent money system. So that's, you know, like we are at the end of a 300, 400 years long exper experiment. We've been inert to this system and we don't know how it should work properly. Um, first, we need sound money. And that possibly means that in addition to, you know, there's no reason historically uh, societies have lived on multiple monetary systems you know like in the united states once upon a time you had the u.s dollar but then every state had its own currency and many banks were issuing their own currencies and it was fine the united states went from nothing to being far and away the most prosperous country in the world without without the federal reserve bank and their and their and their putrid uh, paper currency uh, we have to get back to that. We have to learn again the the arts of of uh, credit creation and healthy credit allocation. Because somebody mentioned it on the on on this chat today, the whole system works as it does because somebody allocates credit, and you know they allocate credit to where it's useful. So you know society is wealthy, but the the wealth of the society where it could go to clean, safe streets, leisure, libraries, uh, uh, community centers where people could get together. It goes to designing designing RFID chips and control systems. And, you know, like they use our wealth. They use the wealth that we create to build the prison to hold us in. With the, they're, they're really trying to turn us into cattle. And so uh, how to how to use our own wealth for for the purposes that are suitable to humanity well the next question is what do we want you know because full employment and gdp growth are not the answers you know uh, it, full employment for what you know like what if i don't want to work what if i want to do something else you know that the, those are all legitimate questions and we have to we're going to have to pose them and to answer the question of what we want out of life and how we want our children to live we have to kind of look into the mirror and <laughs> I hate to use their word, but the word is reimagine who we think we are, what we think we are. And so that's all 
ahead of us. You know, that's all the questions that we're going to have to be pondering and uh, find answers to. I don't think it's difficult, but it's going to have to be done. And then the money system does have to be designed, but, you know, that in itself is going to be probably multiple solutions. There's going to be crypto, there's going to be time banks, there's going to be local currencies, regional currencies, and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I think all these things are dawning on people in Europe as well. You know, um, I think I think this is universal. I mean, I'm, I'm following... Uh, interviews and podcasts uh, from Serbia, from Croatia, French, French ones, Italian ones, uh, American, Australian. Everybody's on the same wa- wavelength. There's, there's like, there's like barely any any uh, corner of the world that has uh, escaped this awakening. So I'm very optimistic about the future. Uh, job number one is is to preserve peace, because if they if they manage to contrive their world war, we're screwed. There's going to be, it's going to get brutal. Then, then that's the only, I think that's the only um, trap that could really derail the awakening because it would, it would, it would make it possible for the, uh, for the people in power to crack down really, really with ruthless brutality against, against us all. Uh, with war avoided, the future is bright, but it's going to be a challenge. And it's, it's, I think that's, a, that's the best challenge we could possibly have because what we can do now was never possible before. And I just, I, I, I'm going to close on a, on a I want to kind of like drive home a very optimistic note because I think that not only do we today have this internet, we're exchanging knowledge, we're exchanging ideas, experiences and so forth. If you look around... What we've been able to do over the last 20 years, you know, like if you look at the design of things, if you look at the widgets and solutions that have been invented, we have this insane computer-aided design that allows, you know, like mm, all kinds of stuff that maybe used to take decades to design are getting done in, in years and upgraded very extremely rapidly. So the solutions are going to be blossoming. They're going to be exploding in, in all kinds of way, ways. All these things are excellent, uh, but that's all in the future. And I think it's a future we have to fight for. It's not going to be given to us passively. So I'm, Alex, what, I, what country are you from? I, I, I'm from Croatia, but I, I, I've been living in Monaco for the um, past 26 years now. There's an uh, author in the paper named Alessandro Fusilo from Italy. And he's a big corp attorney, and he has a fir- firm uh, uh, branches in Berlin, Madrid, and Rome. So the guy's got skills. And uh, he spoke at Narcopoco a few years ago, and he came to Arizona, and we're friends. And he started this. He understood where this was going. And he started speaking to like 150, 200 people. Now he says he speaks before 150, 200,000 people at a time. This has just gone stupid. And he has a thing called um, Movimento Libertario, you know, the libertarian movement. And um, if you go look at the article they, he did, and you know, uh, you may listen to the show that I did with him, there is uh, a lot of optimism, and they are busy all through Europe. And he speaks five languages fluently, and they are in trouble. You know, uh, he's coming after him. They just got a Supreme Court 
decision in Italy to where they seized a woman's um, restaurant because she refused to lock down and uh, they gave it back to her in restitution, whatever. And uh, so it's starting to push back. And there is so much support for the freedom message. We've, we've all experienced that. When you articulate it well, they're going, yeah, what they said, you know. And it's just the censorship has to be done, and it has to be combated. And there's a lot of ways to do it. And I, I think you'd be encouraged reading Alessandro's uh, article. It's just very inspiring. It's on the center spread. Cool, cool. I'll, I'll look him up. I'll look him up. Yeah. Yeah, please. Well, I'm fucking raging. I went second, uh, to be honest, lads. Uh, uh, probably should have went first and uh, been very impressive. <laughs> and feel your anger all the way over here in California. <laughs> I was like, go ahead, Alex. And he was like, wait till I tell oh, you. Oh, sorry, man. Sorry. It's just that I, like, it's almost, where, where are you based? Where are you based, Gordon? Like, well, how's it going, lads? I'm here in Ireland, and it's you no, know, it's raining. I don't know. <laughs> so, I was like, probably speaking the second language. I'm like, oh shit, man, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, Ireland, Ireland is um, it's very parochial. It's very uh, everyone's very local. Do you know what I mean? We're a small enough country, um, but the benefit that gives us is that uh, we can kind of see the cracks. You know, it's like uh, um, I don't know. Uh, Bosnia's Got Talent. You can see, you know, like if it's America's Got Talent, you have a big pool. But Bosnia's Got Talent, I, I'd say they have more bloopers than winners. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just like, here we have these crazy rules that people are starting to cop onto, to wake up to, because like the government are flip-flopping overnight. They're having like midnight, two o'clock in the morning meetings. Uh, the, health, the health secretary is completely bald now. And... Uh, they're just fucking freaking going like, what are we going to do? These motherfuckers are going to get like six pints of Guinness and, and just wreck the place, right? So they're like, uh, uh, okay, listen, we make this rule and uh, we'll just tell everybody and if it goes wrong, should we just say we didn't do it? And then they'll just deny till they die. There was rules, stupid rules that people were like, I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but this is retarded. Like, why are you doing this? One, one for example, was um, we, we can't close the pubs because the pubs in Ireland, like, are, are basically like the strongest <laughs> economic base after, after agriculture, right? So we can't close the pubs. We have to keep the pubs open. If the people aren't drinking, they're going to be fucking going mental. So we have to keep the pubs open. But the only way that you can allow people into the pub, and this is real talk, you're allowed to go into a pub and drink, but you're only going to drink for 90 minutes at a time and you have to buy a meal that's worth a minimum of nine euro. So a substantial meal has to be eaten, and that will stave off COVID somehow. I I have no idea what is it. Sounds like economic of, stimulus. Yeah, you you're <laughs> chewing, and the bacteria can't get into your closed mouth. That's full of like like potatoes are like Joe Rogan is like ivermectin and and you know monoclonal antibodies. What about potatoes? Because that seemed to have saved the Irish people. The potatoes, don't let the virus into your mouth. So you had to buy a nine euro meal and you're allowed to drink, sit and drink in a pub uh, for 90 minutes at a time and then you had to leave. And then they've changed it. They've, they've killed nightlife. They've killed all the, the pubs, theatres. Like there's no performance stuff. But what it did do 
and what the lockdowns did do. And we locked down pretty hard, like one of the hardest in Europe. Um, for the longest time, I think we had the longest lockdown. We 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 won uh, uh, I don't know nine Eurovisions and longest COVID lockdown. Uh, congratulations us. We placed nowhere in the World Cup, but we had the longest COVID lockdown in Europe, right? And uh, so, like everybody had to sit at home, and they got the the gift of uh, the the government paying a, a uh, to me like a preposterous amount of money for a ferociously long time. So in America, you guys got like one check for twelve hundred bucks and another check for like a thousand dollars, and then you went. Um, how was the last eighteen months for from that like two thousand two hundred bucks? You know, but in Ireland, where people were getting like I, I think it was three hundred and fifty euros a week just to stay at home, and then when the lockdowns lifted and people were able to go back to work, they were like, Ah, you're, actually, you're grand. <laughs> I, I'm 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 I just got a, a new Xbox and I, I just bought I bought this game and I'm just gonna stay I'm just gonna try and see if I can ha like play that for a while and playing you know NBA 2K or something for I'm <laughs> getting paid to sit at home right obviously like people are losing their jobs and it's you know a terrible thing and you know, tears before bedtime but uh you know I think there's a there's a, a um there's a light and a dark side to that argument there's a, a positive and a negative so the positive is. Uh, a lot of people realized that their jobs were bullshit and they were treated really poorly by their employers and that, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people weren't getting paid enough and their standards went up and they started to wake up to the fact that they were wage slaves or whatever and they're like, well, you know what? Fuck those cunts. Like, I'm not going to come in on a Sunday at 11. I've been drinking all night. Why the fuck? And he rings me at 2 in the morning saying, you got to come in at 11 tomorrow. It's your, use your duty. You have to. And you're like, no, nah, man, fuck off. And people were so delighted with telling their bosses to fuck off that they were, you know, screenshotting these, th putting them on Reddit going, look what I said to my boss. I called him a dickhead to his face and told him to fuck off. I was drunk. It was straight in the morning, but fuck him. And it became this whole like anti-work movement where people were like leaving their jobs. Fantastic, you know, like d d destroying uh, uh, pre predatory capitalistic practices. Fantastic, right? But the fucking downslip from that is then there's a bunch of people that remain unemployable, like wholly um, underqualified for higher positions. Uh, they're reliant on like a minimum wage. So they're like, well, we want more money. Well, what do we do? Raise the minimum wage to what? $40 a year. Fuck off. $25 for people working at McDonald's. Like, we could just get a screen and then we just have to wipe people, like, when people are fucking picking peanuts out of their arseholes with their fingers and then wiping on the McDonald's screen. You just pay one dude to, like, and wipe the fucking screens and you don't have to employ anybody at $10 an hour. It's grand. So they fucking negotiated themselves out of jobs, right? And now there's a bunch of people sitting at home reliant on a handout they've become this learned helplessness has crept in where they're sitting at home going well, why should i work for the man it's like well you get money for that yeah well i don't want i'm worth more than that but are you though so there's like a slight sense of inflated self-worth <laughs> a little bit for some people where they're like i deserve more but do you though oh, well the internet says so i know but do you like think about it um so like i remain hopeful uh, as Alex does, like it's it's a uh, and everybody else here has had messages of hope. I remain hopeful, but there's like this danger of um, a learned helplessness among the populace, and it's not just in Ireland; like it's just very visible here because the media is like uh, you know 
reasonably transparent. Like there's no, there's no level. There's no, we don't have anyone at the CIA working at Fox News. We don't have, uh, you know, uh, any trained fucking uh, uh, secret, like the secret service, <laughs> the secret service agencies in Ireland. Like, shh, don't tell anybody. What, what am I not supposed to tell? I, I can't tell you. Like, it's really fucking parochial. Like, um, it's very country stuff, you know? So we don't have that kind of system of of secrecy. We don't have that system of control. It's really um, a talent show, a karaoke karaoke tyranny here, where they're trying the same things as they're doing in Germany and the UK, but it's kind of a little bit like with the cardboard drop, like a fucking school play or some shit, right? So people can see it quite easily, and um, they're waking up to it. They're not falling for it. There's a lot of Irish people that are like, okay, so you're telling me get two two vaccines. Okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll give you that one. I'll do that so I can go to the pub. And then they're like, right, well, we're closing the pubs. But sure, I got the vaccine. I got both of them. Yeah, but not everybody did. There was only 300,000 cunts that didn't get it. Like, there's only 6% of it. Like, uh, herd immunity is, what, 80-something percent? Like, there's only 6% and most of them aren't leaving the house. They're, they're you know, the pubs are closed. Oh, well, fuck you. Right, we'll open the pubs. Would you buy a nine euro dinner? Okay, I'll do it. Let's go. And they're all buying nine euro dinners and I said, right, we're closing them again. So it's this um like psychological abuse that they we're putting out on the people. And eventually everyone just went, no, fuck this. I'm not doing it. And they started building like sheds in their back garden and having pubs at home. This is what happened this year. <laughs> they were like, well, they're going to close the pubs. We want to go out on a Friday night. We want a guaranteed night out. Let's fucking build our own bar. And there was lads building bars in like you know, housing estates and like 10 houses that come over and they're all like, rip, 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 like putting it on TikTok. Everyone, it's like a nightclub in people's houses. They're all like, fuck the social distancing. Like having, you know, parties in people's houses, right? Keggers, like all over, all up and down the street. And the, and the government are going, no, we're going to, how are we going to, you know, then, and, and now the next thing then is boosters and we're going to, it's just like the six month subscription to this fucking thing if we don't cooperate. Bottom line is, it woke a lot of people up because they're going, right, I took the vaccine and like Jordan Peterson was saying like, I've taken my vaccine and I want to go somewhere and you won't fucking let me. I was like, Jordan, dude, mind your language. This is Christ almighty. Right. So he's like pissed off. A lot of people are pissed off that they're like, well, I, I thought being vaccinated was, that was the end of it. It was going to work. And now you're telling me that I can contract and pass it on as much as an unvaccinated person. So what do they do that for? So there's all these veils that are falling to the floor, these fucking, uh, webs of lies and webs of deceit and, and you know, uh, uh, con constructs of uh, fallacy. And people are fed up of it. They're moving away from it. They're moving away from cooperation. They're out protesting a bunch. And then we're seeing people in Italy and the Netherlands and Austria and Germany all out in their hundreds of thousands, all protesting for the last few, for the last few months. But when you can feel it, when you can feel people who have got the vaccine starting to regret and going, no, I'm not taking them boosters and shit. Like, you know that they're they're coming over to the right side. They're moving over this way. Even though at, at first they capitulated it because it's, like, um, good for society or whatever. Their social conscience was played upon, you know? But it was manipulation that turned into abuse, that turned into, uh, uh, you know, a, a re retraction from that relationship. It's like, you're abusing me, so I'm I'm out. I can see these signs, you know? And uh, when you think of Ireland, you probably would think of abuse. Like we have systems here that have ruled over us for a really long time and we can tell when it's not going right. Do you know? There's there's men walking around uh, the whole country that know what priest's dicks taste like. 
they never tell you, but they fucking know, right? And uh, there's systems there that kept that shit secret. There's fucking Magdalene laundries. There was women that got raped at a fucking Kaylee one night at a, at a at a dance one night, and they got raped and they had a, got pregnant, and their father sent them off to live with the nuns in a kind of a prison where they had to wash bedsheets for 45 years and their baby was taken off them and sold to rich American and British families. And then only only two years ago, they had a big hearing where all the fucking kids were like, oh, you fucking, my mum, and you fucking sold me to England. Oh, what the fuck? And all, all these guys stood up in front of the, the Catholic church and went like, what the fuck did you do? Like, they didn't know where they came from. They only found this out after years and years. So we all know, like, these motherfuckers are at it. And we felt it in Ireland. Um, but I, I still remain hopeful that next year, people are going to start more, like, waking up more and more. Uh, to what I think John Paul was saying earlier on very quickly, I had the horn for uh, this book called The Fourth Turning, by Neil Howe and Bill Strauss. I did a live show in London and Manchester there in October, and I talked about that length. It's like, I was looking for the exact, the, um, the description of what's going to happen. I was like, what's happening next? What's the next thing that's happening? It's the fucking four turning, man. And it's this generational um, intermingling of uh, the boomers with the Generation X and then the millennials with the uh, Gen Zs. And this is like, the, we're going to get into a war there's a war next, whatever war is going to happen. And then after that is a period of uh, unbridled and uh, not before seen prosperity. So we're going to have a, a post-war kind of, you know, a, like a post-coital cigarette of society where everybody's like, oh, fuck, it wasn't that. Shoot, it wasn't that, wasn't that mad. That was fucking mad. Come here, do you want to buy something of me? I buy something of you, you buy something of me. And everybody makes a bottle of money and we start with all these you know new systems of governance and new arrangements of like okay right so no uh chinese people anywhere okay cool and uh what about israel oh like it's you know we make all the rules again um like we did the last time but the magic of the four turning is that you can put it mathematically over the last six sections of 80 years like take these 80 year chunks and you can see it from like the 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 revolutionary war the civil war world war Two, and now the the new 2020 COVID war, and it just fucking just sits like in these uh, uh, in this saculum of 80 years, these uh, these uh, uh, eras of 20 years at a time, these generational eras, it fits so well. So I know, like, I'm looking at these patterns going, yeah, man, the next five years is going to be tough, four years is going to be tough, but at the end of it, it's going to be a period of um, knowledge, prosperity, uh, advanced technological advancement, uh, we just have to be careful not to all end up in the fucking metaverse, you know, like fucking. We don't have to one. beat them. We just have to survive them. Well, this the, the metaverse team, yeah. will be fun, guys. Look at what uh, you know Zucker told us. It's it's gonna be nice, you know, little little avatars, you know, running around and talking to each other, and we'll be locked up in our room, you know, with it without sunshine and vitamin D. It's gonna be fun times. Of course, I think second live. Punk the cypherpunks should take over the metaverse. I think the cypherpunks and like the OG Anon should rise up out of the ashes and completely take over the metaverse and turn it into a giant shit show so we can all go back to hanging out outdoors and kissing girls. <laughs> Look, I think a, 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 a very accurate and spookily um, prescient 
prediction of what the future is going to be like is very much like Demolition Man, uh, where we have we sex where you're not allowed to touch, and Sylvester Stallone is f- fucking riding Sandra Bullock in a dream with a headset on, going, "Oh, what a nice boobies!" Like it's fu- like you're everybody's in the metaverse, and then the next thing you've got like metaverse rape cases happening. Where there's people that have like raped each other's avatar, like you fi- you drop the hand and lads are fucking, you know, Elgato and like Logitech are selling like like pussy fingers for fucking meta for dropping a hand in a metaverse. It's all like real feel pussy pussy gloves and shit like that. That's gonna end up. That's like the the advancements in technology and the human race have all come from pornography, technologically wise. Like the bandwidth in the internet, resolutions and screens, all of that shit is fucking dick focused, bro. Like that's how we get on. So the metaverse is immediately going to turn into some kind of weird thing where you can go any you can go anywhere you want to fucking somebody to, you know, poke poke spaghetti up your arse with a toothpick. That's the place where you fucking go, man. There, the metaverse is going to be, first of all, like the Wild West of America and Tom Cruise running to put his fucking flag in the field. I made it! I made it so I did and my accent is perfect, right? And it's just going to be fucking mod- lawless motherfuckers shooting each other, pushing spaghetti up their ass with two pigs, fingering people that they don't really necessarily, like, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi's like, hello. Hello, I'm in the metaverse. Like, whatever speech she's making, and some guy's going to be able to hack it, so he just come in and just go, like, right up the, or, or dusty gowl, just like, you know? It's co- totally going to happen. The metaverse is going to be full of it, where they're going to be able to sell you the things that you can't do in real life. Of course. And people are going to want to do it, because they don't want to fucking be locked down. But the smart of us are watching that fucking presentation from Mark Zuckerberg going, yeah, you're going to make the real world so unpalatable that we'll just have to go into this motherfucker. Like, the narrative is already written. Too, too many movies, too many TV shows. People know the fucking crack, like. Um, but yeah, I still I remain hopeful. And uh, I'm going to be first in line one, one of those pussy gloves. <laughs> and you thought nobody could uh, go after Alex? Really? I had to bring it. I just I, I don't, hey, know where don't to put laugh. It. You know, we did stories on this. There's um, it was at Australia. There was a writer that did this to where you have this silicone like tracks, like on a bulldozer kind of thing that goes on your penis. Well, nice. it interfaces on USB over the internet to some I don't know girl or whatever other guy that's doing you know her Bible, uh, whatever the hell. And you got I know the company that does that. Uh, that's uh, that technology that. is called teledildonics. It's a yeah, real- something mm-hmm. like that. I actually talked to their comptroller uh, of the company. The well, most ever- shit, boy! And I thought I was bringing something new. All you guys are pros. What Let's get a sponsorship I mean, for the show. I would, I would the argue most, that the we're most already I could ever partially do. into Westworld, and Jim Pisaki is proof of that. <laughs> the most I could ever do was get in my car in Grand Theft Auto and just like consistently drive into a wall and then put the end of it on my wiener at the end of the controller on my wiener. That was what that was like nineteen ninety nine. That was what we that was what we did. People are thinking, man, innovating. It's fucking innovation, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yo, yeah. Everybody knows masturbation leads to innovation. That's why it rhymes. That's what that's what it is. I'm telling you, we need to look to the porn industry for where twenty twenty two is gonna go. Cryptocurrency paying for sex online. 
Look at OnlyFans. Look at how much money that shit generated. I feel like you should diagnose why masturbation leads to innovation, and that is because of the post not clarity that you achieve. You know, my wife didn't. Welcome to my TED Talk. She she didn't appreciate that I always say that. I go, look, you want to see the future in technology? It's gaming and porn. You need, you want to yeah. see what's going on? You got to get what, You know, you went to that site. I go. Well, I was research. You know, yeah. I got get out, uh, mom. I'm innovating. Get out of here. Why don't you just don't tell people like the the vaccine makes your dick shrink? Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the propaganda we need. You know, one thing I was I was hoping the reason Problem I came on bigger is I was hoping that um, uh, predictions. You know. Um, for 22, I mean, I know what I'm doing, what I think is, you know, it's going to get worse and I'm going to, you know, take advantage of it because I remember, yeah, we go through these cycles. That's why they call it revolution. It just keeps going around. You know, the fourth turning, your 20-year cycles, it goes, you know, to you know oppression and tyranny and then it gets back to liberty again. And, you know, I, I get it. You know, we, uh, I read the book. Well, I, I listened to the Audible, so that counts as reading, I guess. So what happens is, you know, the future is going to be decentralization, in my opinion. There's a lot of ways that that's going to manifest itself. But I was hoping, you know, I'm all ears, man. You guys, what do you think how this is going to play out starting like January, you know, February, March? One thing I did want to share, I, I'm uh, supposed to emcee Anarchapoco. And uh, this has been going on for a month and a half, a couple of months. Before, and I said, I, I'd love to do it, do you a great show and be, you know, all kinds of you know, professional and make it happen. But I am not getting poke, prodded, shot, nothing. That is not going to happen. So I may have to go to San Diego and, you know, swim across something and go to airport and go and then come back and, you know, walk across a bridge or do something. I'm willing to, you know, a little bit more inconvenience to help friends out and, and participate. But I am not going to get a shot. I'm not going to get, you know, PCR'd and doing sticking stuff behind my eyeball through my nasal Just cavity. Have the cartel kind of smuggle you over, like copper smuggle. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to be a little creative, but I tell you, I am not, you know, going to a freedom thing after doing, you know, being a freedom guy with a freedom newspaper and a freedom whatever, and all of a sudden I go through the cattle shoot and be their slave and get, you know, inoculated. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm not doing it. And they've been really good about it. You know, uh, Macy and Catherine, they, they've been really they've been really cool trying to accommodate. But um, we'll see what happens here pretty quick. But uh, I also want to hear in the future and what you guys think. Because um, when I looked at the documents from Mexico and I want to see what they're at it to, they go, eh, we don't really care. Fill out this form because they're making us do it. But, you know, pinky swear, we're not doing anything with it. And it goes in the trash. We don't care. But coming back into the U.S., Oh, hell no. You know, so I, I, oh, I'm not feeling free, man. I'm, I, you know, 22 is going to be, I'm going to be a butt at, you know, I was wondering what you guys are going to do, what predictions you have. I got some predictions. I got to go. I want to go next because I got to get up early because I got to do uh, declare your independence with Ernest Hancock tomorrow morning. So real quick. Uh, you don't have a meeting with Bill Donix? No. I got some <laughs> predictions. Number one, I predict that that uh, there's going to be no way to hide the fact that government is illegitimate. So the illegitimacy of government, I think, is going to spread throughout the world uh, in a way that is kind of like it's been a it's been like almost like a soccer ball. They've been trying to hold underground, you know, underwater for so long. 
And they did a they did a real good job in kind of using the word uh, you know anarchy and denigrating it and kind of using you know changing the definition in the dictionary and using the their kind of you know media propaganda system to denigrate it as chaos and dystopia. But I here's my prediction that under the word voluntarism that you're going to see the, the understanding, there's going to be a widespread understanding that is going to spread through the population globally. The government is illegitimate and criminal, and it's been a giant scam. So that's my, my first prediction. My second prediction, just to kind of echo what Alex was saying about you know currency, is that we have a free market in money right now. So the, so the crypto boom, the the you know decentralized finance uh, um, uh, what's going on right now in uh, decentralized finance these we've already won to a certain degree uh, I think the powers that shouldn't be are going to try and push the population into central bank uh, you know uh, digital currencies but I don't think that the population is going to fall for it. And I think you're seeing just the very, very beginnings of like a free market and money. And then my final prediction is that uh, is that natural law is the ultimate basis of the future of law and the future of how you engineer harmony among other among you know everybody here on this planet is that there is a realization that you know. Um, uh, no victim, no crime. Uh, nobody gets rights that other people don't, and that uh, that that revolution of understanding of kind of the basics that government is a scam. I think, and and kind of the you know the the uh, the uh, simplicity and obviousness of natural law. I think those are going to um, uh, those are going to be the basis on which we construct the new future. Uh, after this statist, fake, uh, you know, uh, central bank-dominated monetary system dies, uh, once it dies, that is what we're going to rebuild on. And so those are my, uh, my predictions for the future. It's a revolution that's only going in one direction because once you realize there's a man behind the curtain in the media, once you realize that government is illegitimate, nobody ever goes back to believing in government once you understand the scam of it. Can I can I ask it, it, that comes after a, a massive war though, right? Like there's no way that it doesn't just change in the morning. Like how, how we- it could be a collapse. Yeah, there there there's it could be a collapse, but when it rebuilds, it's not going to rebuild on government. Actually, does the guy holding the soccer ball underwater die of myocarditis, and that's how everything comes? No, up no, surface? no. Tim, he'll die of post-pandemic stress uh, disorder, not myocarditis. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, I I think that we're like heading towards a a total currency collapse around the world. Like right now, I'm looking at all these currencies are in in huge distress. You haven't like inflation that we haven't seen in many years. We're hitting the end of the end of the fiat cycle, basically. Like their their whole scam is falling apart. And uh, uh, as you said, uh, you know the uh, the trust in government and that fourth kind of turning is uh, it's about to happen. It'll probably happen over the next couple of years now, as we're seeing, uh, basically now I talk to people, you know, regular people on the, uh, you know, they're struggling. They can't even feed the, their family properly anymore. 
because of you know the the collapsing currency values. Uh, so I think that's going to be the big theme for uh, the next year uh, because you know you, you see these central bankers had to tap out, and me and Tim and and a few others here were right uh, that you know inflation is not transitory; uh, it actually comes and stays and becomes. You know, worse and worse and worse and worse, and uh, until you know, you you have like these hyperinflated currencies only happen when that psychological moment of distrust happened. That is only when it happened, and and so I think that moment is very, very close. It could happen in 2022 for sure, uh, because you're seeing a a lot of uh, distress already for people. Uh, yeah, so that's my prediction. Ricky, yeah. you yeah. ready to? Yeah, I uh, let everyone promo. Yeah, yeah. Let uh, we'll we'll let everybody plug their their shows. Let us know what you guys have for the upcoming year. If you have any projects or any uh, announcements coming around the corner, I just want to thank you guys uh, for coming on the show. Uh, a lot of you guys are regulars. Have been on this journey with us this whole time. Um, I can't thank Charlie, Mike, and and Sam enough for you know all investing in this idea of starting this Union of Unwanted community. It really has become a great community and a great. Uh, resistance to what we're fighting, what we're all fighting and what we're all fighting for. Uh, you know, this is episode 40. We've had some amazing past guests, obviously all you guys and, you know, uh, Del Bigtree, Ben Swan. I mean, so many, uh, Judy Mikovich, uh, so many amazing guests, Roger Stone. Uh, and, and with just 40 episodes, we, we have well over, uh, half of a million downloads, uh, last I checked and it's pretty amazing. And I think it's because, uh, we really are, you know, we're, we're a community and we, we all help each other and, and people really like the fact that so many different perspectives and minds can come together to share ideas, challenge ideas, and, um, and so many different backgrounds can come together for this one common goal of pushing back against what's going on in the world. And, and I think that's uh, really important right now. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, uh, my co-hosts, uh, you guys for always coming on. I truly appreciate it. I know sometimes it sucks because most of us are content creators because we like to talk. Uh, as you know, I like to talk. Um, so I know it's hard to, to, to stay muted for so long sometimes because, and give everybody their turn. But it, it's uh, Sam has said this before, and we'll, you know I'll, I'll say it too. It's absolutely amazing how little work we have to do to make this whole machine work. I mean, we get sometimes 20, 30 people on a call and we never really have an issue with, you know, everybody having a turn to talk and being polite and being respectful. And, um, and I, I think it's, it's awesome. So uh, hopefully the show keeps growing and with it, everybody who's a part of it grows with it and we all help each other. So I just want to kind of get that out of the way. Thanks, Ricky. Contentsafe.co. <laughs> Deplatformed.co. Uh, poor Deplatformed has been suffering because of all the content safe work. <laughs> but we'll be resuming in the new year. Yeah, and and that's your podcast for people who who aren't aware yet, right? Deplatformed. Right, Deplatformed, and I got a couple interviews in the can that still haven't been edited and published, but yeah, uh, eh, it'll happen. <laughs> Hey, wait, 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 Matthew, more. how did you get deplatformed? How did how did content safe dot I mean seriously? What the hell are you on yeah. got deplatformed? <laughs> hey man, that's uh you know, it fits. It fits our our, yeah, no, uh, we'll our talk, clients. Seriously. Yeah. No, he didn't get deplatformed. It's the name of his podcast. 
Oh God, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't get the platform. Wow. No. Uh, no. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Ricky. <laughs> I, I, I want to clear that up before he lost all his business. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, who, who wants to go, go next and uh, let us know about any upcoming projects, anything you have going on, and uh, and plug uh, your shows. I'll go. So uh, the uh, my book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History, Exposed. We're in the process of a little Indiegogo campaign for the fifth edition. So, you, so if you're interested in the fifth edition, which will update the book to the age of the COVID and expose kind of the best evidence behind uh, the COVID being an engineered uh, uh, criminal um, event, uh, you can find us at artofliberty.org forward slash Indiegogo. And uh, like I said, we're this is going to be the fifth edition updated for the COVID. We're going to be up, updating the, uh, the Liberator to 32 gigs of evidence of government criminality and, uh, yeah, you know, who's behind the COVID. And uh, we've got a little retail kit where anybody that has a retail location can share in the profits of the book. We give you everything you need to, uh, you know, uh, attractively merchandise the book in a coffee shop or, a, you know, a, uh, any other kind of retail location. Artofliberty.org forward slash Indiegogo. Uh, any help would be greatly appreciated. I have the, not the new version, but the previous version. And I, like, I'm sure a bunch of you do. It is tremendous for, for people that are like visual learners. There's nothing better. I get that book and send it to somebody in your life that you want to wake up. Just send them that book because it does it in a way that is very easy for normies to kind of understand because it's like a picture book and it's, it's the best. I just saw a thing Jerry day did. He oozed all over it, not even paid endorsement or nothing. He just did a video of how exactly what Charlie was saying. Yeah. Yep. It's just, it'll wake them up. It's just as it's, it really is. It's just the way it's laid out. It's really well done. And the night before we went to press, his ad made it in. You know, Donna had some extra space. He, oh, man, it was a thing. But, you know, we got him in there. Yep. All right, Ernie, I'm, I'm out of here. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Looking forward to it. Ernie, you want to go next and plug uh, your show tomorrow morning and, and your magazine where they can uh, listen to everything? Wow, Ricky says I can talk more. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, um, you know, well, John Snyzen and Tim Pachote had articles in there. You know, there's um, a lot of you just go take a look at the list. You'll see the um, it's kind of what uh, Howard was saying. You know, having a physical copy of something really makes it's a different vibe. You know, it's a different thing. It, it I, I, you know, I'm an old guy. I've been doing this a long time and. You can't convince anybody until you, you just do it, you know? Yeah, but online, what's your metrics? And how do you know that they'll oh, stop? But the, you know, we have the QR codes do go through uh, a system that we have. We're able to make them smaller so that they're on newsprint. They're easier to read and we can track them, you know, the clicks and so on. And uh, I never even look, but, you know, we have that capability. The um, show tomorrow, uh, Howard will talk about, you know, physical 
manifestations of activism and stuff like that. That's how we're going to, you know, kind of approach it probably. And he gets to talk about his new addition and the evidence on COVID and such. Um, my prediction, you know, I just want to, I want to give a prediction. 22 is going to be, you know, 20 was here. They're going to do it. 21 was, we see that they're going to do it. And 22 is we're doing something about it. And I'm thinking, you know, the people that they're, I've been, everything that I've done for all these decades has been in preparation for what's coming now from the ashes of Liberty's torch freedom's Phoenix. That was the whole point of that. That was the artwork, the logo. That was the whole anticipation is that what is coming now we knew there was going to be an after. So we've been, you know, you know, Pirates Out Borders, everything has been for the after. So that's what we've been working on. And I'm so encouraged by you guys, you know, the, the right mindset, the right understanding, the right, you know, and, you know, decentralization and helping lead, you know, people to the truth or just being a light saying, whoa, it's over here somewhere. And I'm, I, I just, I'll end on this. I always kind of saw when it's the darkest, at night, you know, before you start to see the dawn break, you know, where is the dawn? I mean, wh- wh- which way is the sun going to come up? And you start seeing a light part of the sky. You don't know exactly where it's going to come up, but it's on that side. It's that, it's that way. It's in the east. You know, it's over there. And then as it gets closer and closer, ping, the sun pops up above the mountain or the horizon. And all you go right there. Well, you guys are the, the 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 light in the sky. You can see it's over there, and it kind of consolidate. And that's what I see is coming: is that we're getting towards the point where the sun comes up, and it's going to be decentralization, self ownership, all that stuff that we've been advocating all this time. It's coming, and the tools that are going to be used to get there, we're going to start focusing more on that. You know, like now, you know, we're I got some stuff I got to do for a couple of weeks, but beginning of January. We're going to you know, really amp it up again with like Matt and uh, float with Aaron and Kingsley and refocus a lot of the efforts. But we need to do get this out of the way first because I knew I needed these papers for what I had planned. So I needed to spend some time on that. But now, January 22, we're done with the love, the, uh, love bus thing. We still got the bus. We'll be going around Arizona doing stuff. But, you know, we're going to be focusing a lot of time on being the light on what's coming. So I really encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing and however I can help you guys, really. Thanks. Thanks, Ernie. Who who wants to go next? And, and I can go, and go. So my name's Scott. Oh, I'm one of three hosts of the Truezilla podcast. Uh, you can find Truezilla on any of your favorite podcast players. Um, the main home for the video is Rockfin, rockfin.com forward slash Truezilla. We do the weekly premium clown town update, which is fucking insane. So you guys can come join us for that. Um, otherwise, uh, any, any of our other links are at Truezilla.org. So you guys, thank you, Ricky, Charlie, Mike, and Sam for having us. Always, thank you. Are you on Bandot Video yet, Scott? You know, we were blessed with a Bandot Video channel, which is insane, too. So, yes, yes, yes. We're representing on the InfoWars platform, too, which is just nuts. But, yeah, lots of fun. Like, doing big things, baby. Thank awesome. you, guys. I'll go next. Uh, it was great to see you all again. And thanks a lot, Ricky, for inviting me again. And uh, <clears throat> we got some events going on next year. Uh, as normal, we're kind of not going to let these lockdowns and shit slow us down, even though I may not be able to attend. We'll see. But there's a couple spots open for Randall Carlson events at the Scablands and in Montana. You can go to contact at the cabin 
Ca for that. Darren, my co-host, wrote a book about the Canadian residential schools. Uh, he's got a couple other books coming out with some true stories from that uh, catastrophe. And his first book is called A Canadian Shame. We've got a lot of audio books out on adultbrain.ca as well. We're, we're reading some esoteric tomes uh, on audio. And uh, grimerica.ca is where everything's at. And uh, Grimerica Outlawed is our our new sort of podcast feed where we cover some of these deeper, more uh, controversial topics. So thanks. I'll jump in. Um, I'm Steve Boykin and I have a show called slow news day. You should find it on Rockfin or odyssey. Um, and we on other platforms too, but primarily those are the ones we're advocating for looking to get on a bunch more as the year goes, the new year goes forward. Um, <clears throat> I do wind up doing a lot of live events, but those don't usually get planned well in advance because they're not necessarily the kind that you get to advertise a lot for. Um, thanks y'all. This has been tremendous. You guys are incredible. And, and uh, this show is just something special. Appreciate that, Steve. Thank you. I think so. Uh Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. So uh, thanks again for having us on. I uh, just want to plug uh, Free Michael Now uh, that goes to the change.org petition for my father, who's been incarcerated for over 28 years. It takes two seconds to sign the petition. We'd really appreciate it. Um, also, uh, joinfloat.com is our uh, free speech platform. We believe that free speech plus free markets equals free people. And that's what we're looking to build with uh, the freedom technology. Um, we have a, a big update coming uh, in the new year. And also we have uh, floatnft.com and floattoken.com that we're really excited about. That's going to be the crypto economic engine of our whole uh, ecosystem that we are building. And also, Aaron. Hey guys, sorry, I had to step out to make some dinner. But thank you so much for having us on. I love this podcast so much. and I'm always so happy to be a part of it. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, Another thing that we're doing next year is Float Fest. It's the second Float Fest. We are super excited. It's basically just one big freedom-loving party. Um, and by party, I mean like family-friendly festival on 100 acres of private property in Texas. And uh, we're inviting all of you guys to come. You guys can vent for free. So Ricky, I know you sell mugs and shirts and uh, a bunch of you have all the same uh, shirts, merch, everything like that, that we would love for you to come and just sell uh, and, and just enjoy the, uh, the good time, the community. So that's happening April 27th to May 2nd in Gauze, Texas. And you can go to floatfest, F-L-O-T-E-F-E-S-T.com for more info. Awesome. And anybody who's not on float.app, please go on float.app. There's an app. You can get it on iPhones, Android. It's an awesome platform. They even tell you how you can get all your stuff off Facebook onto your new float account. So you don't have to lose all those archives of family pictures and posts and all that stuff. So uh, definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, I was. Uh, last year. Oh, there you go. You're back. Yeah. Hey, he got a sexy voice. Uh, Tim, you're kind of in and out there, buddy. Good, we good now. I think so. Uh, I just wanted to, to vouch for uh, Float Fest. I mean, I sorry I can't do it in my sexy voice, but I went there last year. That they did it off a very uh, 
very small lead time running up to this last year and had a great turnout. So I imagine this year's going to be even better, but thank you guys for having me on. It's been, been great, great panel. Uh, you know, want to thank Ernie for all the, uh, you know, great activism he does because right now I mean, basically going back to, you know, low tech is the new, you know, kind of answer to defeat the high tech, but I want to know where he's seeing the, uh, the light coming up because of all the chemtrails have been spraying out here today in Arizona, but you guys can go to, uh, the Liberty I've got a couple different podcasts. One of them is with John Snice and Tim and John show and all my stuff, you know, focuses on, uh, uh, basically the financial system, economics, crypto, uh, you know, all the you know, apocalypse, pandemic type stuff. And also at that website at thelibertyadvisor.com, uh, you could, we've got a new crypto IRA solution where basically you can get crypto into your retirement accounts and you can do like Roth, crypto Roth IRAs where the gains would be tax free. So people who are already in the system, already entrenched in there, that is a potential solution because people are always looking for solutions. And now the new way we're doing it is like dramatically easier. But thank you guys again for having me on. It's been an honor and also an honor to be in Ernie's uh, newspaper uh, list. Because that's quite the uh, quite the list of, of people you've got on there. And uh, yeah, you could check me out at theeconomictruth.org. And of course, uh, Tim didn't say he's at the Tim and John Show, but check out Tim and uh, John Show you'll find our podcast there with a lot of fun stuff it's it's all self-hosted so we're off the grid there so we can say whatever we want uh, and then uh, one last thing check out governmentisnonessential.com it's a website i created a little while back just for some uh shits and giggles for people you know to see that we don't need them <laughs> gordon you want to let people know which pub they can find you at yeah, like, <laughs> I can go next. Uh, my name is Gordo. I'm the inventor of the Pussy Glove. And you can get me at teledildonics.com. Uh, there's an Indiegogo right now uh, for a, a Metaverse Pussy Glove. Uh, no, uh, my name is Gordo. I'm from Those Conspiracy Guys. You can check out the website, thoseconspiracyguys.com. And uh, I'm on all the podcast apps still. Uh, I'm not on YouTube anymore. <laughs> Fuck them cunts. Uh, but uh, I'm, I think we have a Rockfin account, but my internet isn't fast enough to upload to it yet. But I, I'm working on all that shit. I'm on Odyssey and I'm on all the Rumble and all the, the alternative things and all. But fuck the YouTubes. And um, I'm still allowed on all the other social media as well. Obviously, I'm not saying the right things. Uh, I have to start criticizing Israel more or something to be accepted in the cool gang. Um, but those conspiracyguys.com, we do loads of deep dives into like. It's it's kind of like a his, historical, through a historical lens, looking at conspiracy by examining history. Uh, some of the episodes get up to five, six, seven hours. I don't know. But, uh, you know, three lads sitting around having to crack, crack of jokes and uh, learning, learning while laughing. And then we have a true crime section as well where we get to talk about all your favorite rapists and murderers. Uh, so you can, uh, all the top, the best rapists, we talk, we only talk about the best ones. The best rapists and murderers, and um, uh, I'm also open for all these guys here. I, I've been on Charlie's show, and I've been on Mike's show, and I've been on Steve's show. So if, let's let's do some swap casts. That those conspiracy guys just passed it. Scott's pointing his finger. He's pointing his pussy finger at me. Dude, uh, that's that'd on. be a dream come true, man. Hell yeah. Let's do let's do them shits. Um, I, those conspiracy guys just passed forty million uh, downloads. We just pa- we we um. Uh, we just moved over to Megaphone, uh, so we're hosting that Megaphone now proudly, and uh, yeah, shit's getting shit's getting large, and and it's starting to throb, and twenty twenty two is going to be good, so so bring it on, and thanks. I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm a, a sucker for a fella in an accent, and, and that's why I love it when Scott's on the show. 
<laughs> I just said thanks to Ricky for having me on. He sends me an invite every time, and sometimes I'm like, oh, it's fucking it's, it's late, man. Fuck off. It's too late. It's, it's, it's four o'clock in the morning here. Oh, fucking but like I, I, I had a nap earlier on in preparation. I was, you know, uh, so I'm here and I'm live. Uh, but um, yeah, thanks so much for, for letting me on as, as many times as you did with all of my codology. And I hope I don't get your explicit button ticked for saying cunt so many times. So uh, yeah, happy Christmas. Wait, do we have an affiliate code for the pussy finger next time? Yeah, yeah, I will. It's, um, it's uh, uh, stick it and sniff it uh, 20. That's <laughs> Pussy Glove, tellydildonics.com. RippleEffectPodcast.com or RickyVrans.com. I'll bring you to uh, where you can find all the places you can find all my shows, including this one. And um, that's basically, I'm on a bunch of social media platforms. If you want to see pictures of my kids and, and whatnot, then I'm on Instagram and Facebook. You can find my personal page uh, if you just want to see more of my personal life. Um, and, and, and that's it. I can't, I can't thank all you guys enough. I know oh, Charlie and then Mike, that's right. Well, what about Matthew? Oh no, Matt, Matt went already. Oh, you did? Matt went. Okay. Yeah. I barged in at the very start. Oh, okay. Uh, you can check out macroaggressions. My guest this week is Ricky Verandas. So you get to hear us, uh, go off the rails and the medical martial law and all that craziness. So Check that out. Uh, also, Day Zero. I do a group show there as well. And I am on our Big Dumb Mouth podcast, obdmpod.com. We stream live on Wednesday, 7 p.m. on Twitch and uh, all the other ones, DLive. Now, this Wednesday, talking about uh, psychic Bigfoot and portals and current events and politics. So it's a wacky show. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and the union of the if you want to find all the platforms we're on, like I said, thank you guys so much for being a part of this journey. I truly appreciate it. Even though I haven't met most of you guys in person, I consider all you guys friends, and it really has been awesome to uh, be a part of this. So, uh, thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of the year, the rest of the holidays, and then uh, 2022, we're going to keep fighting and hopefully uh, move things in the right direction. 2022. I'm with Graham. I'm Black Bill with Graham. Okay. Stay safe. Tellydildonics.com. Land of the free home of the brave, state police nationwide. Pull you over, put your wife on the hood, put a glove on, and just start ramming.